This episode is brought to you by Rocky Talkie. Rocky Talkies are backcountry radios designed by a small team of climbers from Denver, Colorado. I love these things. I never thought I'd be going back to using radios in the year 2023, but these things are awesome. Here's the deal. We all have phones, but sometimes phones aren't very helpful. Let's say you're climbing a multi-pitch or you're backcountry skiing and don't want to drop your phone in the snow or you're mountain biking and it's a pain to stop and get your phone out or you don't have service. Phones are not always the best option. The best way to communicate in the backcountry is with Rocky Talkies. These things are made by climbers for climbers. They're super compact. They weigh less than half a pound. They come with a built-in carabiner so you can easily clip them to your pack or harness. And the battery lasts over three days, even in winter conditions. So cool. I actually used these bouldering in Waco tanks this winter. There were a few times when I made plans to meet up with friends at the boulders. I knew I wouldn't have cell reception and the Rocky Talkies worked perfectly. And they're so much fun. I'm a huge fan. Get 10% off your first pair of Rocky Talkies by going to rockytalkie.com slash nugget. That's rockytalkie.com slash nugget for 10% off your first order of backcountry radios. This episode is brought to you by Crimped. This is the best app I have seen when it comes to self-coached training for rock climbing. Crimped has dozens of workouts crafted by world-class climbers and coaches that focus on all of the different facets of climbing performance and training, including workouts to guide your outdoor climbing. I just did a really fun collaboration with the guys at Crimped, and now all of you can try my three favorite outdoor bouldering workouts right there in the Crimped app. We've got one called Steven's Outdoor Bouldering Warm-Up, which is my go-to warm-up on a bouldering day. We've got Steven's Outdoor Limit Bouldering, which will guide you through my approach to projecting hard boulders. And finally, we've got Steven's Outdoor Strength Zone Bouldering, which will guide you through a strength-focused bouldering session. I've used that one a lot in Waco tanks over the past few years with great results. And it's a great format for sending some of those second-tier boulders and building strength out there on the rock. Check out the Crimped app at crimped.com. That's C-R-I-M-P-D.com to get started and download the Crimped app for free. And type in Steven, S-T-E-V-E-N, into the search bar in the app to try my go-to outdoor workouts. That's crimped.com or find the Crimped app in the app store. It's totally free to try. Type Steven in the search and have fun out there on the boulders. Hello, friends. Welcome back to the Nugget Climbing Podcast. This is your host, Stephen Dimmitt, joined one last time by my South African... You're not South African, <laughs> by my co-host. You're not, my co-host here in South Africa. Ethan I might Pringle. as well be South African after all the time I was spent here. <laughs> yeah, you may as well be at this point. Um, welcome back. Thank you yeah. for having me back. Of course. Again. We're, we're recording... Is my last day. I leave tomorrow morning. Um, so we are recording a trip wrap-up and a Q&A. Um, from questions that we received from patrons. So thank you guys for submitting questions and please enjoy. I figure we should start by addressing the elephant in the room, which is me being really sick. <laughs> 
address let's address the steven last day we tried to go climbing this morning and i really thought i might be able to muster it and i didn't even pull my shoes out of my bag and then i was just like i don't know if we should record this tonight um but yeah i think i was i was hung up on like i just didn't want to sound ungrateful i didn't want to like sound like i was not psyched or low energy because I'm sure so many people listening would love to be here. And it's like on, it's, you know, because of my amazing patrons who support me and my sponsors who support me that I'm able to be here. So I didn't want to sound, I'm super grateful for that. I didn't want to sound ungrateful or um, negative, but I was thinking about it the last couple of hours and I realized like, oh, I don't have to be super psyched or bitch about being sick, I, you know, I can just be honest and, and sometimes you get sick on trips and it's not the most fun, but, um, but yeah, still once been, or twice or maybe three times, or maybe three times. It's been a rough trip, man. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I've mentioned this on the podcast, but I'll just kind of give the overview all in one place here. We got here at the beginning of July. I got food poisoning from some oysters in Cape town and, that was really gnarly. I was sick for like five days until um, our friend Lisa was kind enough to give me some antibiotics and that helped a lot. Um, But yeah, like one of the gnarliest sicknesses I've had, it was really brutal. So that was a rough start to the trip. And then I had maybe three like really good weeks, felt really good, had a great time, Um, climbed a lot, tried a lot of hard things. And then early August, like August 2nd, I got sick with probably COVID, not really sure. Maybe just a gnarly cold that went around. Like a lot of people got sick here. Um, and a lot of people got laid out for a couple of weeks and it was pretty, pretty gnarly. Didn't feel totally awful, but just felt drained for a couple of weeks. And then thought I was through that, thought I was better, thought I'd be able to clean up some projects for the last two weeks of my trip. And then I got a gnarly sinus infection like 10 days ago, nine or 10 days ago. And pretty much laying in bed, like taking antibiotics and just recovering ever since. So um, August has been kind of rough, not too many climbing days and coming to the end of the trip, feeling like I didn't really do anything and also just didn't really get to experience. I think the thing I'm more bummed about is like, I, I don't feel like I got to experience South Africa or Rocklands the way that I wanted to on a first time here. Like we never went to the fish fry. I didn't get to go support you on your projects really at all. Um, cause I was either trying to climb when I finally felt good enough or laying in bed sick or like trying to cram in work here and there. So, so that's where we're at <laughs> August 31st. And, uh, I think I've climbed nine days in the month of August. And Do you know how many days you climbed in July? <clears throat> it'd be a, it'd be an interesting number. Like, like comparison? Well, no, just total number of days in two months. Mm. I'd have to go back and look at my phone. Yeah, yeah. I, have, I have notes for all my days, but I'm not sure. Mm-hmm. But I mean, I was climbing like at least day on, day off in July mm-hmm. after the food poisoning. So maybe it was something along the lines of 25 climbing days, maybe 30. Total? Yeah. Oof. Yeah, probably between 25 and 30 yeah. total days. Yeah. Yeah, maybe even less than that. Maybe 20, 20 to 25 or something like that. Yeah, right. Mm-hmm. That's crazy. 20 yeah. to 25 climbing days in a two month trip. Yeah. That's, that's what I was saying. Like, yeah. In know, our first, in the first half of the trip, I was like, man, it's just crazy how you, you get here, you spend a week or two 
all of a sudden you have six weeks left instead of two months and you're, <clears throat> or whatever, you know, maybe you only have six weeks total and you, you're three weeks into your six week trip and you're like, dang, I'm already counting down the days until I leave. Mm -hmm. It's just, yeah, hard to feel like you have enough time, no matter how much time you have. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And then you start thinking about it and you're like, well, you know, I can really, like my body will really only allow me to climb two thirds of the days tops, but that's probably unrealistic. So maybe half the days. So if you're here for 60 days, like maybe the most number of days you could climb is 30, at least like productive days. Yeah. So then you're like, okay, 30 days. What am I going to do with those 30 days? Am I going to try three different hard climbs three times each or 10 different hard climbs three times each? Am I going to try, you know, what's the breakdown of like days that I'm going to spend at the boulders? Yeah. And it just feels, it like feels like, I mean, obviously we're super fortunate to get to spend an entire, almost entire season here. Probably like, nauseating to hear this for the people that get two weeks off a year. Right. I mean, there are people flying here from the States for like two week trips and like we, you know, we're here for much longer than that. Yeah. So. But yeah, trips, trips do always fly by and it's, you know, it's funny. I like have been thinking a lot about, um, uh, you know, uh, just always thinking about like what I could have done differently and like kind of analyzing how things went. And I remember talking about it in one of my fundamental episodes with Jesse talking about like one of my main recommendations for a bouldering trip was to be, or any climbing trip was to be brutally honest about how much time you actually have mm. and to like prioritize accordingly. Mm. And I think I did an okay job of that. It's It's funny, like I don't really know um, you got, you just got kind of screwed. Yeah. Unlucky. Maybe I, yeah. I don't really you got know. Sick like three times. Yeah. W was that bad luck or was I like, uh, cause I definitely came out of the gate after the oyster thing charging super hard. Like I was trying, yeah. you know, black shadow, my V12 project. I was trying that a lot. And then basically every other climbing day I was trying like V10 or harder, mm -hmm. uh, maybe some moderate days here and there, but not many. And so like, was I just so run down that I was more likely to get a lot more sick than everyone else. Now you're shaking your head. I don't think just so. Just bad luck. <laughs> I think Maybe it was just bad, bad luck. luck. It's, it's just hard to I mean, to you, know. you, you had, <clears throat> you basically had two 10 day periods of like being too sick to leave the house. Yeah. So then, then, you know, basically, or no, you had two 10 day periods of being too sick to leave the house and then also a five day period. So basically <laughs> yeah. 25 of your 60 days in South Africa were just like gone, <laughs> gone you know, <laughs> laying in bed, watching, yeah. binge watching TV, <laughs> dude. Yeah. I mean, to, to put it in, I don't know if people are interested in this I'm, and I'm not saying this to like have a pity party. I don't need sympathy, but, um, just to share what happened, like the oyster thing and the sinus thing, the middle thing was not as bad, but the sinus thing and the oyster thing were like probably top two out of two out of the top three like worst sicknesses i've ever had and the sinus thing dude i was like i You're felt so bad i was like i can't even watch tv i'm just like laying here at night just yeah. like like do i need to go to the hospital i just want to like claw my sinuses out of my face because yeah. they were so painful yeah and um you know i'd take like a thousand milligrams of tylenol and it wouldn't do anything like wouldn't even touch it right so that's a lot yeah <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, survived on some antibiotics now, thanks to Kala and her mom. And uh, 
you know, I don't know. I, I've, I've been thinking a lot about like, I think this trip has been really good. I think I have been contrasting it with the magic wood trip and just kind of processing that. And magic wood was a lot more, you know, successful. I'm using air quotes. I climbed a lot more things. Um, but I think, which is funny because it was like 80 degrees the whole time. Yeah, it's like hot. <laughs> yeah, worst conditions. And you probably. were like bouldering between like 10 p.m. and 2 a.m. Yeah, 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 totally. Um, but I think I needed this trip. I think I needed a trip where I kind of like got my butt kicked a little bit more mm. because after Magic Wood, I felt like pretty content. I don't think I climbed as well as I like want to climb eventually, you know, like in the big picture, like I want to become better, but I did well enough that I was like pretty content with that. And then coming here, the way the trip went here, I'm like, I want to, like, I'm not okay with this. I want to get mm -hmm. so much better. And mm -hmm. it kind of lit a fire under my ass, like in a good way. So I'm, I'm going to be carrying that momentum, um, into training this fall back home, which feels exciting. Sick. Yeah. <clears throat> so that's a win. Yeah, I least. think we're both feeling a bit of that. Yeah. How did your trip go? Um, well, I still have a little bit of time left, but... Um, you have, what, like seven more days here or something? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, but definitely, like, didn't... Like, like I, I had a ton of fun, especially in the last, like, few weeks. I sort of took a step back from trying the, the mega hard stuff and tried to do more... Just tried to check out more things that I hadn't either hadn't tried before or wrapped up a couple things that I had tried before that, you know, like were bothering me a little bit <laughs> that I wanted to send. Yeah. You um, had like a three day run where you said you did like eight, eight days and harder, right? Something like that. Yeah. I'd have to like go back and count, but yeah, yeah. I did. I did a, a whole bunch of like, like V 10 through 12 things um, in my last, like, yeah four to five days of bouldering which felt yeah. really good felt good to like actually get to the top of a lot of a lot of boulders and just have a ton of fun like doing dinos and flashing stuff and mm -hmm. yeah that felt good but i haven't yeah i mean last year i sent like three or maybe four problems that were like rated 8b plus at least and this year i haven't done any Mm. I mean, I, I fell off the last move of speed of sound. So like, I definitely can do that one and hopefully I will before I leave. But, um, and that one feels like the hardest AP plus I've tried in Rocklands. Um, mm. And it's just like, it's been a cool, it has been a cool process to like learn so much on it, but I definitely thought it wouldn't take me quite as many sessions as it has. And then I also thought like, you know, after my, last or maybe second to last session on monkey wedding which was now like a month ago or something i thought like okay cool like i i might have i might actually have time to send this and i haven't even been back on it in like mm. a month <laughs> because of speed of sound because of speed of sound and just like not wanting to like i think i'm feeling similarly than you are where i just want to come back with way more strength and do things a little bit faster. Mm -hmm. I think that's kind of where I'm at with like the sort of 8C level boulders here. I'm mm -hmm. like, I could, I could like thrash on this and like maybe get it done in like a scrappy way by the end of the trip. But I'd, I'd almost rather just like come back next year with, with way more strength and like feel a lot stronger on it yeah. <laughs> and feel like I wasn't like, I don't know. More margin. Yeah, more margin and like 
like I, you know, want to feel like strength isn't like the thing that's holding me back the most. Yeah. Um, but it has been cool to like get on, st- like, you know, monkey wedding, my, th- I think my second or third session on it this season, I basically did it in two parts, which was cool. I was like, oh, yeah. wow, I could actually do this. Yeah. Like this feels possible. Um, and yeah, made some, made some really good links, but um, yeah, still haven't roped up living large. Mm. <laughs> haven't sent industry of cool um <laughs> i have like you know that other highball project out at legoland that i have only tried once this season so it's just crazy you're like wow i'm here for so long but like where do all the days go where do all the days go i have yeah. been i have been a lot more diligent this season about like taking longer rest periods and stuff and just like sort of con- like trying to conserve my energy a little bit more mm-hmm. and like having like just yeah if I'm like super wasted, you know, I'm like, okay, I'm not going to go climbing tomorrow mm-hmm. or today. I'm just going to like let my body rest. And then I'm like, okay, well, I'm still really sore the next day. I'm going to take another rest day. Mm-hmm. I think I've had like, you know, two or three, like three day breaks in the trip, which I think for a full season in Rocklands is like really important. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, for sure. But yeah, it's been fun. Um, and I've like sent a lot of stuff that I've wanted to send, but nothing like mega hard. Mm-hmm. Um, it would be amazing to to like send speed of sound before I go. It's like definitely one of the coolest like V14s I've ever tried. Nice. Yeah. Is that your new top goal? Definitely. Yeah. I mean, especially after I fell off like with my hand over the lip <laughs> on my last session, <laughs> like I couldn't possibly have come closer to doing it and not <clears throat> done it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And industry is just always, yeah, always lurking. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's been, well, yeah. And, and the thing we haven't mentioned is conditions have been definitely trickier in August than they were in July. I think yeah. we were pretty lucky the first few weeks with conditions. And and then we had we had some good days for sure in August, but it was a lot of like hot days and then a lot of like temps, but super humid days mm-hmm. and not too many temps, good conditions days. Yeah, on the whole, it's been warmer and wetter yeah um i'll give more of an update on black shadow because i haven't really done like a comprehensive overview of what happened with that one but yeah my main goal coming here was to try to climb my first v12 picked out black shadow thought it would suit me your recommendation and think someone else recommended it too and it was perfect it suited me really well i love climbing on it it's beautiful um, and it went really well. I had four sessions kind of right out of the gate, I think within like the first two weeks of climbing here. Um, so I was, I was kind of raging on it. Like I wasn't climbing on it. I wasn't like climb on it, rest day, climb on it, but I was, you know, I'd, I'd rest, take two days, climb on it again, rest, climb on something else, rest, climb on it again. Did that for like four cycles and, um, made really steady progress and got to the point in that fourth session where I did it in two big overlaps. So I did it like, <clears throat> I'd, I'd like gotten through the first, maybe that session I didn't get through the first crux from the ground, but I was close to getting through the first crux from the ground and then went from below crux one to the top. And that's like the big link on the boulder. Like basically you just have to add like a, you know, a six move V4 to get into that or something. Maybe it's like V7, but... You think so? It's it's definitely harder than V4. Okay, maybe it's harder than V4, <laughs> but it's not it's not that bad. It's I mean, the it's, easiest part of the boulder. Yeah, and yeah. it's it's like certainly something I can do every time if I'm giving like 
you know, good tries from the bottom, but, but yeah, I mean, that was probably like an eight a link or something. Um, and I was ecstatic and I was like, cool, I have, you know, six more weeks. Like I'm definitely going to do this thing. And then I think I, I talked about this with Jen DeBellis a little bit. I don't think I respected the toll that that was taking on me. And it's really hard in like basically two really specific ways. It's kind of, but basically both my elbows were getting like kind of tweaked mm-hmm. um, from like a really hard left bicep squeeze move on that slippery left-hand rail. And then um, when you hit the lip, you kind of bunch up and do like a similar thing with your with your right elbow. Uh, elbow. And, and I just kind of dug myself a hole, I think, over the next few sessions and still had good sessions, had some really good tries at the end of July, but was kind of struggling to do that top link consistently. Anyway, and then I got sick. So that was kind of, that was kind of it. Like my, my projecting process maybe peaked around like mid or late July on that one. And then I found some breakthrough beta in like mid August. I like, you know, I had a couple days in between being sick and the sinus infection where I felt good enough to try it and, um, tried different beta for the, the second crux, which was my, my hardest crux for sure. Um, and it worked and it was really helpful, but then I just never really got a chance to like put it all together. Like, I think if I had that beta and I could go back to like second, third, fourth session, like how I felt, how conditions were and everything, I could definitely do it. Mm -hmm, But mm -hmm. you know, that's, that's how it goes. So you got, hosed. you got hosed, buddy. Got, got close. Didn't do it. Definitely can do it. Yeah. Very psyched to come back for it. It's beautiful. Loved climbing on it. Really thought I was going to do it. I don't know if I've ever been like more confident that I was going to do a boulder <laughs> with that much time left and not done it. But yeah, I remember you kept you kept being like you'd you'd come back from a session and be like, okay, well, like you know, this session went however it went, but like I have, you know, if I even if I only try it once a week until I leave. I'll still have five more sessions. Like there's no way I won't be able to do it with mm-hmm. five more sessions or four more sessions or three, you know, and then, mm-hmm. and then you just, yeah. Kept Got all the way down to and, zero. <laughs> yeah. 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 But, but yeah, it's not going anywhere. Yeah. And we're both, here. we're both really psyched to, <clears throat> to level up now. Yeah. And I, I mean, I'm walking away from the trip without really much to show for <laughs> it. And I actually do feel okay about that. Like, I'm really yeah. glad I went, I kind of put most of my eggs in that basket. I didn't, um, I didn't not try other things because I I couldn't climb on that thing every session if I wanted to. So I did try a lot of other things. I tried a lot of hard boulders, and I felt more inspired on this trip to like do a lot of sampling than um, just trying to find like mods I could do. So I didn't send a ton of stuff, but but yeah, it was it was really fun to just try to check out a lot of zones and. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't try as many like hard, hard things as I intended to. I never went to the mm-hmm, vice, mm-hmm. just kind of got sick before like I got around to it. Mm-hmm. Um, did try Moisty Maisie. I had a full session on that and did all the moves up to the crux and that was super cool. Mm-hmm. That felt really fun. Definitely inspired by that one. Went and looked at the arch. Didn't try it, but best low ball <laughs> roof in the world maybe. <laughs> Might have to go back for that one. And then, yeah, I left some like V10-ish unfinished business but it's okay there's always there's always we're gonna leave unfinished business at the end of every trip yeah yeah but yeah i think it's hard to hard to not meet expectations a little bit on 
on on trips. Yeah, especially long trips, especially on long trips where <clears throat> every other person is like climbing eight B every single time. <laughs> yeah, <I go> out. <laughs> totally, totally. One thing I've been thinking about a lot is like it's sometimes such a small line between having a trip where you didn't do anything and don't have much to show for the trip at all and feeling like a failure versus like having a really good trip. For example, if I had sent Black Shadow on like July 31st, mm -hmm. I remember like that was a session, a, a particularly good session where I had like some really good tries. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. If I'd had the new beta and like had done it that day, mm -hmm. then I would have had a month to try other stuff. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I ended up trying it like nine days or something. So I put a lot mm -hmm. more days into it. Mm -hmm. That's a lot of days to try to climb like V10s that I hadn't <laughs> even pulled on before, you know? Right, so right. like it could have, if I'd done that one, it could have opened up a lot more energy to do other ones and I would have been less run down from trying it and yeah. could have been a totally different trip. And like, I, when I think about it that way, it's like, okay, you know, like it wasn't a good trip, but it was almost a really good trip. <laughs> <laughs> totally. Yeah. 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 I know. It's like if, if things would have gone just a little bit better yeah then maybe yeah but, but having more margins solves all these problems <laughs> so let's just get well stronger who knows i mean you can still get sick that's true times in in the same trip and that's true yeah i'll move this log yeah should we dive into some listener questions sure do you have anything else i don't know yeah i was just i was thinking about i was thinking about like the the funny or not that funny, I guess, but the juxtaposition between like expectations of the trip versus reality of the trip and how, you know, you're, you're a little bummed that you didn't get to experience Rocklands the way that you would have wanted to just like going on more exploratory hikes, supporting friends more, driving around and doing non-climbing things just experiencing the landscape in a different way and having more time with it and stuff. And that, that is like a, a huge bummer. And then there's also like the flip side of that, which is like, you know, we still have like functioning bodies mm -hmm. and like, yeah. you know, totally other, you know, like I just think about Lizzie being mm. here last year and coming away with like this crazy autoimmune disease. And like, mm. I don't know, sometimes I, you, you just have to like, <clears throat> reset your reference points and then you all of a sudden feel really lucky. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I know. I I know, man. Being sick the last like 10 days with this sinus thing, I've been thinking a lot about like chronic illness, like what it what it must be like to suffer from a chronic illness all the yeah, time. Yeah. Just like, dude, if I felt this bad all the time, which I'm sure some people out there do, I wouldn't want to do anything. I wouldn't mm -hmm. care about anything. I'd be mm -hmm. a fucking asshole mm -hmm. i'd be so like grouchy with mm -hmm, people mm -hmm, you know like mm -hmm. i i've definitely met some people and, and if you're listening apologies if i wasn't my like friendly <laughs> talkative uh self but i've met some like listeners you know in the past like couple weeks who've come up to me at the at the restaurant at traveler's rest and like have said hi and i'm just like hi like just no <laughs> no energy to like you know be friendly or chat with i'm them. sure you're more friendly than you than maybe you you but are. like yeah it just it just like stuff like this always puts things in perspective. Yeah. And, um, just makes me feel really lucky to, to be healthy for the most part and not have any big injuries or not have any yeah. chronic setbacks or anything. Yeah. Yeah. yeah chronic pain, like <clears throat> the, the few really small periods of my life that I've experienced that or like where I thought like, whoa, is this like becoming 
like a chronic pain thing, like it's really scary and mm. shitty. Yeah. Yeah. And debilitating and changes people a lot. So hopefully. Well, nice job. That was a good segue <laughs> into our first listener question. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, this is from Sean. Sean has a question for you, Ethan. He writes, I'm curious what Ethan's physio had him do for his back. It mm. came up in an early episode of the trip, but then uh, he doesn't mention it again after that. Mm. So Ethan, how's your back and what did your physio mm. have you do that helped? Thanks, Sean, for that question. Um, and for, yeah, thinking about my back. That's, that's <laughs> nice to know that someone out there is. Um, yeah, I um, got some like dry needling done to it by our friend Kala, who's like the the expert physio at base camp, the one of the campgrounds here um, where most of the South Africans stay. Yeah, she she dry needled my back a couple times and then um, did some like basically like some sports massage to it. She also gave me some exercises that I didn't really do. Sorry, Kala. <laughs> <laughs> it actually, um, I think the dry needling and the the sports massage and whatever else I was just doing, like just time kind of like fixed it. Um, I actually didn't feel it at all for um, probably the last six weeks, like the first two weeks. I was here, I was like kind of debilitated by it. Um, it wasn't it wasn't so debilitating that I couldn't go climbing, but it was like definitely I was really nervous that it was gonna be like the new normal for me. But fortunately it went away like, um, I don't know, two or three weeks into the trip. It kind of faded and just went away. And then, um, and then yeah, it's like I've felt it, I think yesterday after this day of sport climbing that I had, I felt it like a tiny bit again, um, but it, I don't know if it's like the exact same thing or if it's a different thing, but I can tell that I, um, the big takeaway from this like low back pain experience is that I really want to do more lifting when I get home. Mm. I want to do like a bunch of deadlifts and squats and stuff and just like have like a way stronger back. Mm. And um, and I, I'm sure that will, you know, I, I don't know. I could still get like, low back pain in the future, I'm sure, but I, I bet having like a stronger and more robust core and back will, will help like mitigate that. Yeah. Yeah. Part of, part of my, my training plan for next year. Nice. More lifting. Yep. <clears throat> yeah. Bouldering, bouldering's like, yeah. Kind of brutal. The rigor, the, well, especially dude, Rocklands. Carrying the pads, like pads are so uncomfortable when you have multiple pads with, a, you know, heavier loads with a fan and lights and all yeah. this other shit. The thing you don't see in like a lot of Rocklands media is like how sort of labor intensive it is just logistically to like get enough pads to the boulders, get enough spotter. Like a lot of the problems here are pretty pad intensive. There aren't that many low balls. And the, the and even even a lot of the sort of lower climbs still require a lot of pads and and like almost none of the walks are less than 10 minutes. Mm -hmm. Most of them are at least 10 minutes between 10 minutes and an hour. Um and and even the ones that are shorter still require some weird scrambling like you're doing, you're, you're, it's strenuous, mm -hmm. you know? I mean, Black Shadow is, I guess, probably less than 10 minutes. Mm -hmm. But if you're carrying, 
Yeah, like two chill. pads and a slider and a fan and like, you know, three pairs of shoes and mm-hmm. shitloads of water, 10 minutes, like that can mess you up, <laughs> you know, like it, yeah. like, and then if you're carrying all that stuff, 15 or 20 minutes or half an hour to go climbing by yourself or to go climbing, you know, you're like, okay, the minimum number of pads I can do this problem with is five and there are, you know, two or three of us, how are we going to get five pads to this thing? Like mm-hmm. I want to go like my, my weather windows now or mm-hmm. it's tomorrow or whatever. Okay. Well, we're just going to have to make this work. We're going to have to schlep a ton of stuff to the boulder. Yeah. And then you do that three or four times a week. And after two or three weeks, you're like, Oh my God, I've never been this tired. Mm-hmm. I think that's like something that, um, I don't know. You can always climb, you can always make it easier on yourself, but if you're really motivated for particular projects or whatever, like it's just very labor intensive. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. Everyone, everyone basically who's been here more than two weeks is just constantly talking about how tired they are. Tired (laughs) is the word that is said more often than any other word in Rocklands. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Would you ever like prepare hiking or anything? for this place or just just lift weights to get your legs and core stronger i don't know matthias and and thick nick seem to be pretty like robust against it i know even they got you know they got they got wrecked by the end of their trips mm-hmm. they were like too tired to like pull themselves off the ground anymore yeah, but yeah. i think I, I think having like having some some real strong gam gams is probably <laughs> probably helpful here in rocklands but yeah, i think yeah. i think also just being like you know <laughs> being careful with your energy and being careful with your like your energy outputs and stuff Mm -hmm. which also like includes you know maybe not going to quite so many social events or like not surfing on your rest days not surfing on your rest days (laughs) surfing is not a rest day activity yeah um yeah 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 i only regret one of those surf sessions (laughs) (laughs) that's no it's yeah you love it so Yeah. yeah um Okay, this is another question from Sean. This one's for okay. me. Oh. Sean writes, I've been doing the no hangs protocol and I wonder if you can clarify something. Um, so for people that haven't heard, he's talking about um, a video that Emil Abrahamson put out called Hangboarding Two Times a Day for, for 30 Days. I talked to Emil about it on my episode with him and that's a protocol that I still use and really like. I'll talk more about that in a second. So Sean asks, how do I measure 40% of my max for the no hangs? Is 40% of max referring to the max force one could exert? For example, the most you could pull when measuring with a tin deck? Or is it the max weight you could hang for 10 seconds in a half crimp on a 20 mil edge or something like that? Um, So yeah, I have two answers. Uh, The first is talking about finding a percentage of your max. So if I was going to do repeaters at 40% of my max... The way I think about it is doing 40% of my max in the same thing. So like if I'm doing, you know, seven, three repeaters, I want to know what's the max single rep I can do for seven seconds. And then I would take whatever percentage of that. Um, If I'm just doing like off the ground lifts at 80%, you know, like a set of five at 80%, I would want to know what's my single max lift that I can do. Um, So hopefully that is a little bit clarifying. The second answer for the no hang specifically, don't overthink it. I think that's the most important takeaway. Um, 
yeah, don't overthink it. Don't measure anything. I tried measuring everything the first cycle that I did it. I was like, I'm going to be so smart. I'm going to do everything at 40% and then I'm going to do a whole six week cycle. And then if I get stronger, I'm going to test my maxes again and then do everything at the new 40% and like I'll get even stronger and I'll just do that until I'm Superman. And um, it didn't work. I kind of like overtrained. I got some irritation in one of my, um, I think I got capsulitis in one of my fingers and my dip joint of my index finger on my left hand and it hasn't ever fully gone away actually. So, and I don't think it helps. So yeah, don't overthink it. I wouldn't measure every anything for the no hangs. I think I get asked about these a lot because people want to know if I'm still doing them, if they help. Um, I still do them. I don't do them twice a day, every day. I usually do them to warm up for climbing and I try to do them once per day, just kind of all the time. And then occasionally I'll do like a stint where I do them twice a day more systematically. Um, but they kind of just serve two purposes. They, I think they keep my recruitment topped up. They just kind of like keep my body ready to pull on holds. I just feel like you're just kind of training your brain to like fire those neurons that get those muscles firing in specific positions. So I think they're helpful for that. And, um, you know, you can get stronger at something just by practicing it at a lower intensity if you do it frequently. So they're good for that, but there's kind of a limitation to that. You don't just keep getting stronger. Um, you kind of get your initial bump up and then I just kind of maintain it from that. And then they, the second purpose is they keep my fingers feeling healthy. So I kind of treat them as like a restorative session. But if I want to build lasting finger strength, I'll do like a six-week block of off-the-ground lifts like OTGs or I'll do um, some max hangs once or twice a week for a longer period of time or stuff like that. And I, you know, from talking to Emil, actually go listen to my follow-up that I did with Emil to hear how he thinks about this too if you want to learn more. But um it's worked well to combine them actually to like do the no hangs. Think of them as like a warm up or like a really easy restorative session and then combine them with your normal heavier hangboarding as long as you're not overdoing the volume. So yeah, Sean, don't stress about the percentages. If you want to, you know, start, if you want a starting place, like where should I start for these? Just think about like 40% effort and that'll be a good place to start. You just kind of let your body tell you what to do from there. I want to do those. <laughs> they, yeah, they feel good. I, I really like them. I think I think I'm going to stick with them. I do them. I kind of have adapted them, and I just do them with my tension block at the crag, and it's a really mm -hmm. good like first phase of my warm up every single time I go climbing. Um. Yeah. Okay. This is from this is for you, Ethan. This is from Rajiv. Rajiv writes: Ethan's done an insanely broad set of hard roots from Cobra Crack to realization, to jumbo love, to wheel of life. What are his top, top roots? What inspires him about a root? Mm. <laughs> Thanks Rajiv um, for that question. And um, yeah, I, I don't know. I think I'm so lucky that I'm like inspired by such a wide variety of rocks. Like I'm inspired by cracks and by face sport routes and just, I mean, any super stunning line on rock that, that begs to be climbed. I, I want to climb it. Um, I, I don't know, like, I don't know how to answer the top, like, what are my top routes? I mean, the ones that 
that Rajiv listed there are, are all really, really good. Um, Blackbeard's uh, the 514 crack on the Northern California coast finally just got its first repeat by Connor Herson, which is cool. Um, That one, that one is like a standout for sure. Nice. Yeah. Sometimes people. That was the first son of yours. Yeah. Yeah. From Uh, when? How long ago? From 2017. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. I think it'd been 2017 or maybe even 2016. I can't, can't remember which of those two years I did it, but I think it had been, yeah, six or seven years just sitting there. No one even really trying it, mm. but took the iron child to to send it. The iron child. I heard Carlo is psyched too, so maybe it'll get a, a third ascent soon. Nice. Um, it's funny. Sometimes people are like, what's your proudest FA? And I think the one that comes to mind usually is the like um, 3,000 foot big wall FA that LeBecky and I did in Greenland mm. in 2012, just because it's like so unique and... It was like such a different experience than most of my normal climbing experiences. And I think it, um, like, I think I, I tapped into like another part of my being when I did that. (laughs) (laughs) Nice. That's cool. Yeah. Like when Tommy talks about like sort of the, like unlocking new, new level, like new levels of like push on, you know, big wall free ascents or whatever, or just like understanding like what he's truly made of when he like pushes himself like to his, you know, absolute like endurance limit. I mm. think I like, I, I sort of like tapped into that a little mm. bit on, on that climb with Lebecki. So sweet. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. It was definitely in ketosis for, <laughs> for a long time. <laughs> we ran out of food and water. <laughs> Not very high up the route, so. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Wow. Crazy. Yeah. Um, this is kind of funny. Rajiv also asked, is China Beach on the list? Mm. Got to ask for the China Beach podcast. Rajiv is doing, I haven't listened to it actually. Sorry, Rajiv. But he's doing an entire podcast about the route China Beach. That's sick. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that route's really cool. Yeah. I, Have you um, done it or? No, I I tried it like two or three times one day in two thousand. Eight, I think, um, when I was when I just happened to be like in that part of New Hampshire for this like competition. This is a Romney, by the way, for people listening. Yeah, I I was like there was a um, nor'easter event. I think there was a competition too, um, in whatever town is is it Plymouth or I can't remember which town is <clears throat> right by Romney, but there was a nor'easter event there, and um, I think that was the last day I tried it, and I I was like getting pretty close, but didn't do it. I think I was like forgetting to use some intermediate or something at near the top, but that route is incredible. I, I really want to go back to Rumney at some point and finish that one and try Jaws and, and do live in Astro. Nice. And maybe Bowler the fly. Although the fly looks very hard for me, but <laughs> sick. <laughs> yeah. That'd be, that'd be an amazing trip. Yeah. Cool. Um, Let's see. Rajiv has a question about Chris Linder's window of opportunity. Do you want oh, to talk okay. about that? Sure. Is that fair game? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Because I remember we, yeah, anyway, I'll just ask the question. <clears throat> yeah. Rajiv writes, I heard a rumor that you may have tried Chris Linder's window of opportunity up in Humboldt. Yeah. So curious how that route climbs and if you did it. Yeah. Um, I have been on window of opportunity. Um, it is very hard. This is like a old sort of like mythic 
Chris Lindner FA um, at a place called Lost Rocks in Northern Northern California. It's actually really close to Blackbeard's Tears. Okay. Like as the crow flies, it's probably only like 10 or something miles away. Um, but there's this amazing, beautiful, like sail shaped rock sticking up out of the beach um, that Chris Lindner put up like a supposed 13D on but it's very, very hard. <laughs> There's like a V12 boulder problem at the top of it or something. Um, I mean, I, maybe it's V11. It's, there's, like a, there's like a heinous like crimp boulder at the top of this thing. And um, I, I always wanted to do it. And actually, um, my friend Evan and I like re-equipped it with titanium bolts. And I meant to like, I think I was only up there at that time for like a four-day trip. And we, we basically just like, bolted it but then i never got to try it but i i will try it again at some point nice it's um it's really it's pretty tricky area to get decent conditions at and it's also like the water is like crashing up against the base of the rock and i think like i don't know if there was just more sand on the beach when chris did it or if he just got super lucky with like the few days of the year where you can actually reliably start from the sand and climb the rock without like getting soaked by waves. Um, but it's, it's, there's hardly ever a period of time at that rock where there's enough sand in front of the rock where it's not getting like hit by the ocean. So we, we sort of bolted in a way where you can like start off this little ledge that's like on the rock and then you have to climb up and like around the corner onto the route. But, um, but yeah, it's, it's like, it's got titanium gluons in it now and it's like, anyone can go try it. Sweet. It's super sick. Nice. Um, yeah, logistically challenging, but, mm. but really, really cool. Nice. And we will be right back. This episode is brought to you by AG1. AG1 is one of my favorite parts of my morning routine. As you all know, because I talk about it a lot, I prioritize eating whole foods when it comes to my nutrition. But it can be really hard to get fresh produce and high-quality food when you live on the road or travel to remote climbing areas like I do. AG1 replaces your multivitamin, probiotic, and more in one simple drinkable habit. I think of it as all-in-one nutritional insurance. I just mix one small scoop with water and drink it first thing each morning. Done. I also like that it costs less than $3 per day. Pretty good if you ask me. It's a really effective daily habit with high-quality sourced ingredients. Win-win. If a comprehensive solution is what you need from your supplement routine, then try AG1 and get a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free AG1 travel packs with your first purchase. Go to drinkag1.com nugget. That's drinkag1.com nugget. Check it out. This episode is brought to you by Wonderful Pistachios. You guys know that I mostly eat whole foods when it comes to my nutrition, and I'm always looking for good crag snacks to bring to the boulders or to the cliff, something with some substance to keep me fueled for hours and hours of climbing. Pistachios are known for their protein power, fiber, and better for you unsaturated fats for a combination that may help keep you feeling fuller longer than other snacks. And they're super convenient and so tasty. Their no-shell flavors include the classic roasted and salted, 
That's my favorite. Super basic, I know. Salt and pepper, honey roasted, chili roasted, and smoky barbecue. They are all so good. You literally can't go wrong. Wonderful pistachios come in a variety of sizes, perfect for enjoying by yourself or with family or friends, or taking them with you on your climbing adventures. So whether you're hitting the gym after work or heading out on a weekend adventure, fuel up with a healthy and tasty snack. Check out wonderfulpistachios.com to learn more about how these little green wonders can power up your day. Again, that's wonderfulpistachios.com to learn more. And now back to the show. A question for me from Travis about my send of Octopussy. Um, Cool. Travis writes, I'm interested in hearing about your process for projecting that line. Were there any specific cruxes, mental blocks, training techniques you had to adapt or modify in order to achieve this end? So this is talking about um, Octopussy, an A-Day that I did in Magicwood a couple months ago at the end of my Switzerland chapter of this long bouldering trip. Um, yeah, so there's a couple of things that come to mind. One specific thing that might be like the most helpful tip or like takeaway if you're interested in like projecting tactics. Um, I really struggled with the end of that boulder and no one else does. It's mm. probably, I don't know how hard it is, but like the last, I don't know, five moves, it's kind of like this exit where like you're just keeping it together. It's definitely not harder than like V6. Um, and there's this kind of lerpy, like weird, is it that final move? move? It's, it's like the final move, like oh, to okay. the jug. Okay. And the way that your body's like kind of coming around this bulge, it's really hard to like sit on the foot. Mm. And, um, I just couldn't do it the way that everyone else did it. And it's kind of desperate anyway. And, um, I struggled with it for like days and days and days. And the thing that I think was really um, helpful or that I'm glad I did or that worked really well is that I did not, I, I, I did not give up on that move until I found a way that fit me really, really well. Like I kept revisiting it every session. I wasn't spending my whole session on it. I would just kind of relentlessly experiment with it and kept trying things until I found my way. And eventually I did find a way that worked and I added like two extra foot moves and like an extra hand move um, from what everyone else does. But I just, I could never get it to feel reliable the normal way. And it just felt like too sketchy. Like Mm -hmm. I could, if I'm tired, I could drop it. It would be tragic to fall here. And like, maybe this is the only way, but like, I'm going to rule out everything else. So I think that's really smart. And I I think, um, I don't, I can't think of very many times in my climbing where I've like epically punted on things. Like I've definitely fallen higher than I thought I would, but usually there's an explanation like, you know, something was more of a crux than I expected or whatever. But um, I spend a lot of time on the easy finish of boulders and roots. Like even if I think there's no way I'll fall, I like make sure I know it really well. Um, And I think that's something, I think that's a mistake I see. Usually it's like strong gym climbers that are newer to outdoor climbing that make that mistake a lot. And run your top outs. Run your top outs, like do it, do it top down. Like I, warm I approached, up on warm up on them. Totally. Yeah, I approached yeah. that whole boulder and like a top down mentality and like, um, basically project, projected it backwards for the most part, and like got to the point where I'd made like a really good low link before I even started trying from start. Um, and I would still run the top every single session as like one of the first things I would do on the boulder. Mm-hmm. I'd like do the top of the boulder 
and then, you know, maybe start a couple moves lower and do it again, then work on the middle a little bit and like refresh that and then try from start. Um, yeah, so, so that's one big takeaway. Global tactics, um, I tried it basically every other session. I was climbing day on, day off and would try it every other climbing day. And on that one, that worked really well for me. I didn't really dig a hole. I think I was trying like appropriate difficulty on my other climbing days. Whereas one thing I've been thinking about here in Rocklands is I just kind of upped the ante like on everything. Like instead of having a V11 project, I had a V12 project. And instead of trying like V9s or below on my off days, I was trying like V10s and 11s a lot. So I think I just kind of overdid it. But um, but yeah, that worked really well on that one. And then as I got closer, I would kind of start cherry picking the better conditions days. And then I gave, the final thing that I think worked well is that I gave a lot of attention to the to my personal red point crux. Like once I had the end figured out, my personal crux was that come and move. Um, I could do it in ISO like almost every time, but it felt super different from start. And I spent a ton of time trying to understand why. And I think ultimately my hand position was slightly different, sticking the hold from start and it just made it harder. And I just had to like keep refining that move to make it as easy as possible um, until it finally all came together. But, but yeah, I mean, that's kind of everything that comes to mind, like training techniques. There's, I don't know if you can really train for a project when you're on a trip trying it, you know, I think it's too late. Like you kind of have what you have and you just got to like go into like strategy and tactics mode and try to make the climb as easy as possible for you. And like try to capitalize on good weather and stuff like that. Figure out what time of day to try it. Like a lot of people would, I tried the boulder a lot. It was like eight days and a lot of people would try it early in the afternoon when it was in the sun and we'd get to the boulder. I was trying it with my friend Tomer and we'd get there at like 5 PM when conditions started to get good and everyone would be packing up and leaving. That happened like almost every time we went. So learn like when to climb on things, be patient. We'd start our days late. We'd go there fresh after like a really good warm up, um, and not trash ourselves all morning, you know? Um, so yeah, there's, there's some things that come to mind, but, um, but yeah, hopefully that's helpful. Anything, if you have any other questions, Travis, feel free to send me a message, but I think that's everything that comes to mind. Yeah. Keep, keep, keep trying new beta where you're falling. Yeah. Don't be yeah. afraid of seventh, eighth, and ninth inning beta changes. <laughs> yeah, totally. <laughs> yep. <clears throat> Identify the hard parts and try some different stuff. Yeah. 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 It's tough when you see other people do a move a certain way and make it look easy. It can kind of fuck with you and make you think that like that's the best way or that you should be able to do it the same way. Sometimes, I mean, different bodies are different. Like sometimes you have to find your own way for a move, even if no one else is really seeming to struggle on it that much. Like that happened a lot on Octopussy. Like I'd see really strong people come in and that fallen move like wasn't really an issue for them. Mm. And I don't know exactly what it was about it that was that made it hard for me, but it was hard for me. So I had to spend a lot of time on it. And, you know, it was, it was a lot of like little subtleties that made the difference on that move. So, yeah. All that climbing there looks so like weirdly friction dependent. Yeah. And it seems like when you're when you're trying long boulders and there's bad holds at the end of the boulders, it's really hard to like grab them like totally like 
stick to them the way you want to. Totally. And you have to do so much more work with your body and stuff. No, that's, yeah, that's probably the case on that one. Like if I chalked up and like sat in front of the fan, I could grab that slippery little left hand and like do the rest of the boulder like every time, you know, (laughs) make that link every time. And then like coming from start, you just have slightly sweaty skin and you don't have chalk and you're slipping. The hold feels worse. And one thing I doesn't even feel like a hold anymore. Yeah. It doesn't. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if this will be interesting if you don't know the boulder, but something I noticed is like my hand position was slightly, slightly different when I would stick the hold in sequence versus grabbing it in ISO. And it was actually like my palm was on a different part of like the texture of the rock. Oh, funny. So like if I just started there, my palm would be taking like quite a bit of weight actually. Mm. And I was kind of like, not quite half crimped up on the hold, but like slightly engaged on the hold. Mm -hmm. And when I stuck it in sequence, I would be super, super open Mm. and my palm would be below this little Mm. like lip of granite and not Mm. be helpful. Mm. And um, basically it was just like a worse hold from from start. And there was, I I tried a lot to like try to stick it in that higher position and it just didn't really work. And I just had to figure out how to like make it work with the worst Uh, position. And Yeah. yeah, so. Interesting. Maybe there's like, Something relevant that you can apply to your own project. <laughs> Basically, the details <laughs> will reveal themselves given enough time and, yeah, but, and effort. But like seek them out. Seek out those little yeah. secrets, those yeah. little details and yeah. like pay attention to that stuff. It really helps. Okay. Um, a whole series of questions for you, Ethan. Oh, <laughs> These are from Colin. Colin writes, Ethan, I know you were born in California. Can you speak to the first few places where you developed your love and appreciation for climbing? Mm-hmm. Um, thanks, Colin. Well, I think like the first place was the gym by my house, Mission Cliffs. <laughs> um, like I'm, I, I was definitely like a gym rat first. I think I, I spent like I spent a lot of time outside in the Sierra and like on cool trips with my parents and stuff, but like not really climbing. Um, but when I discovered climbing, it was through the gym and. Um, I think that's part of the reason why I still love just monkey monkeying around in the gym is because I'm like just a gym rat at heart (laughs) and I love, yeah, love like gymnastic dynamic plastic moves. And um, how much do you gym climb these days? I mean, fair amount when I'm in the Bay. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I climbed almost exclusively in the gym from like mid February until early May. Hmm. I don't think, I don't know if I touched rock once that whole time. Gotcha. And I still climbed like a fair amount. Mm-hmm. I guess I, I had a couple of days in April where I, I climbed, like I climbed on rock, but not not much. Okay. Um, so the gym was like one place, but yeah, Mission Cliffs. Um, and then the first, uh, the first like real day of outdoor climbing that I, I think I top roped once at Castle Rock when I was like, nine or 10 maybe. But I think when I was 11, I went to Pinnacles National Monument and I had already like, I had already sport climbed 512 in the gym at this point, but I went to Pinnacles and like flashed this classic 11C called Feed the Beast. (laughs) Like my first real ever sport climbing day on rock, um, which was pretty cool. My friend David, who like I climbed with all the time, did it too. And then, um, yeah, I climbed, climbed a bit at Pinnacles. And then once I was like, um, 
going on more weekend trips and getting outside more. I, I climb climb a fair bit in Tahoe at like Cave Rock and Donner Summit and um, bouldering a little bit at Castle and um, traveled outside the state a lot to sport climb actually because you know, there's just not much like great sport climbing in California. I mean, there, there is, but it's like in there hadn't, there wasn't as much established stuff like in the late nineties and early thousands. So I went to like places like Charleston and rifle and Smith rocks a lot, but, um, yeah, like fair, fair bit in the Sierra. I didn't really climb in Yosemite until I was like 16 or something. Mm. I remember I went there. My first trip was, uh, a trip with Kevin Jorgensen for his birthday in October. And I think, yeah, I did like bouldered midnight lightning. I was like nice. psyched out of my dome. <laughs> um, yeah. And then I think the first time I went to Bishop, I think I was like, yeah, 15 or 16 or something. Okay. Yeah. He has some questions about like go-to areas in California. Okay. Um, do you have any go-to areas to visit when you're living in San Francisco for those? Okay in California getting into the sport. Okay. Um, I mean, the bouldering at Castle is like pretty good. Um, there's there's like quite a bit of really, like quite a bit of quality bouldering there. Um, it's not like, you know, super extensive, but you know, there's like, there's a, there's a great guide um, to those spots. Um, Pinnacles is like, honestly, pretty decent sport climbing, um, like on the monolith and in some of those other areas there. Uh, Mickey's has some decent sport climbing. I, I, I don't think the bouldering is like anything to write home about, but there's some decent sport climbing at Mickey's beach. Um, but as far as like the super local rock goes, that's about it. If you want like kind of destination worthy rock, you have to drive to Tahoe or Yosemite. Mm. Those are like the, the best sort of like destination worthy spots. Did and you then, climb at jailhouse? Yeah. I climbed a jailhouse a, a bit growing up. Like I started going there when I was like 13 or something and, I, I kind of, I think I went there quite a bit in my formative years sport climbing. Um, you know, I did like some of my first 513s there. And then once I could travel a lot more, I, th I think I didn't go there quite as much. And like, you know, in the last 10 years, I think I've gone there like twice or something, maybe three times. It's mm -hmm. really good. It's like, it's really fun and um, really good training. It's just like um, the climbing kind of caps out at, I mean, Connor put up like a ridiculous link up that's 14D, but like most of the sort of obvious lines are like 14B or below mm -hmm. and um, just super knee bar, like rock crawly style. Um, but it is a really good crag and it's 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 a very impressive wall. Just like looking at it, you're like, wow, this, this wall is enormous and so <laughs> wide. I, like, you know, I remember seeing it for the first time when I was 13 being like, I can't believe this exists, <laughs> you know? That's cool. But it's not like any of the lines like really stand out, you mm -hmm. know, they're just kind of like lines of chalk up the wall, like one after another. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. There's like, they don't really have m many distinguishing like attributes. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, areas in California, like super overlooked areas, like the whole of Northern, Northern California is like, there are so many destination worthy crags that mm. nobody even goes to just because wow. they're like far away from cities. Wow. Yeah. It's cool. Like the Trinity Arrette, Cecilville Bluffs, um, Marble Caves, Lover's Leap Limestone, like amazing quality limestone crags, like probably some of the best limestone crags in, in North America. They're wow. small, but they're like wonderful quality and they all have 
like, you know, five, nine through five fourteen, and wow. nobody goes. Huh. <laughs> like you could go to any of those. I mean, Trinity Arets people go to in Marble Caves. Like there's, there's like a growing community in Arcata and those people will go to those, like to the Trinity Arets and the Marble Caves. But like Sea Civil Bluffs is, is just far away enough that they, you could go on like the most splitter weekend in like of the year and you probably won't see anyone else. Mm. And you're like, this should be in France. <laughs> <laughs> That's cool. But it's just far. Yeah. Yeah. Let's see. A couple more questions from Colin. Colin writes, I'm a big fan of Alpine rock routes in the high Sierra. Often on long and obscure approaches, I'll see areas with big bouldering potential, mm. usually piled beneath the larger walls and faces. Mm -hmm. Do you plan on doing any bouldering exploration or development in new areas in California, specifically along the east side, mm. thinking about the mellow video titled Heaven, where they visited mm -hmm. new blocks in a subalpine zone near Bishop. Mm -hmm. um, there's so much potential still, but long approaches and complex landings guard many. I know you visited Kings Canyon and took a pretty nasty fall you wrote, on, you wrote about on your Instagram. I don't know about that. Mm. Um, maybe speak to alpine bouldering developing and California's potential, bouldering potential. There's a lot of rock in the Sierra. There's like, there's a lot of rock. And I think that, I think that there are even a lot of areas within like a two hour approach from the car that haven't really been developed. Um, I think, yeah, in the Eastern Sierra, I bet there's like some crazy sick talus fields like above Bridgeport, like near the Hulk and stuff that people haven't really like developed or like even looked at yet. I know Jimmy's done a ton of hiking around Tahoe and he's always finding new stuff. Like he's probably the one doing the most seeking and developing in that area, but there's, you know, tons of other areas in the Sierra on the East and West sides that, I mean, there's even like, you know, fairly roadside areas that, that don't have like in Kings and Sequoia. Mm. Um, and then like along the Kern river, there's just so many, there's so much rock in this era. Um, and it's, you're basically just limited by like how close you can get to it with a car. Was that, is like exploring that stuff, something that interests you? Definitely. Yeah. I mean, I think that like, <laughs> it's hard. Like I love, I love developing. Um, I think I'm like, probably a little bit more excited about like developing new sport climbs than I am about developing new boulders. Um, boulders are, I don't know. It's just like, I'm not as excited about talus. Um, and I think just like, I don't know. I, yeah. I think I also just have so much to do in the, in like the, the developed areas already that I haven't done that, seems like you know Jim, jimmy is like he's he's done everything already you know like he's he's exploring partially because he loves developing and partially because he's like already done or established like all of the other hard boulder problems in california basically at this point mm -hmm. <laughs> um so and i'm i'm not really in that in that boat i have plenty of stuff to do that's like you know in yosemite and tahoe and bishop that i haven't like that i can try and but I, you know, it's, it's so, it's always really exciting to like develop a new area or a new boulder or whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, but it would be cool. I mean, I, I also just love hiking and looking at new rock. I think, I think like 
looking at exciting, looking for like exciting new potential areas or lines is almost as fun as going climbing to me. So I would like to do it more. I just, I always just get caught up doing different stuff, you know, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. going on trips or trying some project or, you know, mm-hmm. getting, getting sucked into life in the Bay area. Yeah. Understandable. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But yes, I think like <clears throat> someday it would be cool to go, go do more developing. I, um, I have a couple like, you know, unfinished, like sport and trad projects at Shut Eye Ridge that I really want to get back to. And there's some, there's some sick bouldering there that nice. I think you could, there's more, more, more potential hard stuff cool. on the boulders you could do there. Yeah. What are, what's Shut Eye? What are some of the things that I would know? Um, there's like a multi-pitch formation there called the Electric Eagle that has like a, like a 513C, like, one of the probably the coolest multi-pitch 513s like in the world it's amazing the rock is just like so so good um and it's beautiful unfortunately that whole landscape got like burned by a fire Mm. so the view probably looks way different than the last time i was there but the electric eagle is like this amazing multi-pitch formation and it's just it's got some of the best quality granite sport climbing probably in north america wow yeah Cool. Probably the best granite five thirteen I've like bolted five thirteen I've ever done is there. Wow. Yeah. What's that one called? Um, it's on this wall called the Airy, and I can't quite remember the name of the climb now. Um, but it's a old um Will Nazarian route, hmm. actually. Um, nice. And it's it's incredible. <laughs> it's I think he rated it 13A. It's probably more like 13C. Okay. Um, but it's like it's it's like a it's like a granite Seyus route or something. Wow. It's like really big moves between these like in-cut edges and like rails and like just really interesting, engaging sequences. And the bolts are all like 10 feet apart. Mm-hmm. And you know, it's a full like hundred and ten foot pitch. And the crux is at like the very top of the wall. That's it's so sick. That's cool. Yeah. Yeah, it's incredible. I met Will, I think on my first day ever in Ten Sleep, like back in two thousand twelve or something. Okay. Um, he was with his partner at the time and his dog Rowan. And then yeah, I ran into him at Smith a bunch of times too. Nice. But, yeah. Nice. Yeah, he was living in um mm-hmm. In Lebanon, I think, mm. for like a quite yeah. a few years. He would always try to get me to go out there, but haven't been yet. Yeah. It'd be cool to go though. Yeah, it seems like he's put up a lot of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Still after yeah, it. Yeah, the rock looks after amazing. It. Um, okay. Final question from Colin. As someone who lives in Los Angeles, I'm curious if you have bouldered at any of our local spots, Stony mm. Point or Horse Flats. Stony gets a bit trashed and is too hot much of the year, but it's still an amazing area with History that includes the names like uh, Robbins, Chenard, and Long, uh, plus tons of still undeveloped boulders along the rolling hillside above. I also think our granite bouldering around Horse Flats is underrated and worth a visit if you're ever in SoCal. Have you climbed in those areas? I have, actually, yeah. Um, I spent a few weeks in the summer of 2005 bouldering in LA, and I, I went to both of those areas during that period I spent I think I spent one day at Stony and one or two days at Horse Flats you're good at remembering years like dates <laughs> I don't know why it's yeah it's I don't I don't remember much else but um yeah Stone, Stony is um 
like it seems like a pretty decent local area. I've like I've only I've only bouldered there one day. I remember doing a climb called Titty Fuck. <laughs> oh boy. Nice. Yeah. Um I think it was I think it had chip two finger pockets on it, but it was pretty fun. And um and some other like classics and then at there's like a classic V eight sort of highball thing at at Horse Flats that I did called the Sword of Damocles. That's like pretty cool. But I've spent more days bouldering and or climbing um in Malibu Creek. I think on that mm. same trip I did like the first ascent of this thing at um in Malibu Creek at I think it was at the tunnel boulders. Um now they call it the legend traverse. I didn't name it, but it's mm. like a fairly popular problem in at the tunnel boulders. Nice. And um have sport climbed at Malibu Creek and spent a lot more time like in Joshua Tree and Black Mountain. But I've done a I've yeah, I think done a tiny bit of of climbing like in the local LA areas. And yeah, I mean, I think Malibu Creek still has some potential. There's this one cave there. I don't know if anyone will like be upset that I'm spraying about this, but there's a cave in Malibu Creek that could have like pretty sick, like V13 to 15 boulder problems in it. At one point there was like a landing wow. built and everything. And then, but the problem is that it, it, if it rains heavily, which it does kind of like once or twice a year, every year, like the, the Canyon floods and like, the cave will get like covered by debris or mm. like the landing will get washed away or whatever. So, mm. um, it's like a tricky place to, to like have like consistent, like climbing, like infrastructure or whatever. Mm. But, mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. there's, yeah, there's, I, I'm sure there's tons more potential, like in the Cespi, there's probably tons of, I don't know. There's a lot of rock, like in the mountains around LA that probably still like has, you know, potential. Nice. Yeah. LA isn't the worst place to live for a climber. <laughs> um, this question is for me from Cody. Another training question. Cody writes, I recently received my own tin deck and I'm super stoked to use it. What are some general protocols used for building power? What about endurance? What kind of edges do you use? Is there a force output that you aim for before changing edge sizes? So yeah, those are all really good uh, questions, Cody. I love the tin deck. I'll kind of talk about what I mostly use it for. I mean, I'm, I, it's been really fun to play with, to play with it. I've probably had it for like six months or so. And, um, the thing that I think it's most useful for is continuing to do training with limited resources. Like if you have some sort of a portable hangboard and a tin deck, you can, you can do any sort of finger training you want to do if you get creative with it. So that's amazing. Um, and it's also really good for like hard recruitment pulls and measuring where you're at for the day, whether that's to test yourself or as part of your warm up to see how you're feeling on a climbing day. I think that's the second thing that I use it for a lot. Um, but because I live in a van and am on this long trip, I've been using it pretty exclusively for my training for the last few months. And I haven't been doing much training. I've mostly just been kind of in maintenance mode. But um, I did hit a PR, like an all-time finger strength PR, like three weeks ago, mm. randomly, um, by, by a lot, and like pulled like 173 pounds on a 20 mil on my right hand, which is like pretty close to body weight, which I've never done before. So um, I guess what I've been doing has been working. So it's super simple. I, I guess to answer your question more directly, um, the Tindec app has lots of different features. Like you can do rate of force development, you can do endurance, you can do repeaters, 
You can test critical force. The only thing I've ever used in there is the peak load function. Yeah, I'd love to experiment with all the other stuff, but I just haven't I haven't done that yet. Um, and generally, if I'm going to do like repeaters or something, I would prefer to just like hang on a hangboard, I think. But and that that's where I would like I would just get creative if I wanted to do that on the road. But yeah, I use the peak load function. And the thing I've been really into on this trip is just doing like three sets of three really hard pulls as like the final part of the warm up on a climbing day. Um, and I do that. I haven't done that every single time, but for most of the trip before I got sick, every fresh day, like every day, like before or after a rest day when I was like fresh before trying something hard, I would like do my normal warm up, um, you know, do the no hangs for 10 minutes, do all my like mobility stuff, maybe climb some easy, moderate boulders, and then come back to the hangboard and do the tin deck and do like three sets of three really hard pulls. And I've, I've changed what I've been doing. Like for a while, my finger was hurt a little bit. Like I had a tweaked pulley. So I was only doing three finger drag and just pulling to max um, three times, like maybe on like a two second timer, just kind of gradually easing in and going to max and doing three reps and then taking like a two to three minute break, um, doing that three times. And um, yeah, like I did that same thing with half crimp once my finger felt better. I've done the same thing with the active flexion that Tyler Nelson and I have talked about. Um, Tyler's really into that right now. I, I think they all have worked great. I don't know if like one works better than the other, but yeah, it's a really simple way to at least maintain strength. And by doing that for the last couple months and doing some no hangs, um, yeah, I hit a PR. So it's doing something. So yeah, get creative with it. But um, yeah, it's, it's a diagnostic tool, like just using it to kind of see where you're at on a climbing day, I think is is really helpful. Yeah, see if you're like fresh and rested. It's also fun. It's fun. It brings people together. <laughs> yeah, we were all like testing our finger strength the other day at the at the boulders. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <clears throat> Apparently, Paul, Paul Nadler is is just a has freak open hand crimp strength. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Strong people tend to tend to have strong fingers. Um, I didn't answer all of his questions. Let's see here. So, what kind of edge sizes do you use? I mostly do the 20 mil. I've been kind of hammering that lately because that's something I've always struggled with. Like I think I've kind of lagged behind in like 20 mil, three finger drag and half crimp. Um, I think my crimps on small edges from all my years at Smith was actually like pretty okay compared to those. So I've been mostly using that. I'll also occasionally use like an in-cut 10 mil for full crimps, but mostly the 20 mil edge. And then is there a force output that I aim for before changing edge, edge sizes? Not really. I mean, there's a lot of people who are like insanely strong on a 20 mil and they're still training. So I don't think there's like a point where I'll feel like it's it, like I'm done or like I've arrived. Um, I don't know if you guys listened to our episode with the Wheeler boys, but no Wheeler like hanging from a 20 mil edge with like one-handed with like 70 pounds added, you know, his first day of hangboarding. <laughs> it's, my goal is to get to body weight. If I could hang one hand body weight, that'd be amazing. And then I might start focusing more on like 15 mil edges. Cause I have noticed that like when I get shut down on a hold outside, um, I feel like I just can't put enough weight through a hold, like on a steep roof or something, a decent hold. 
it usually is somewhere around 15 mil. Like it's usually like two thirds or three quarters of a pad or something. If it's like a full pad, I'm usually feeling pretty good. But if it's smaller than that, um, that seem at least on this trip, that seems to be like a size that comes up a lot. Um, so yeah, once I, once I get to body weight on the 20 mil, I might focus on 15 a little bit more, but, um, but no, there's not like a specific force that I'm really aiming for. I don't think I'll stop training the 20 when I get to body weight. And yeah, I think that's, I think that's everything on that one. Is that sparkling water? Yeah. You want some? Yes, please. Thank you. All right. So we are, let's see, an hour and 15 in, and those are all of the $10 patron questions. So I'll talk about that a little bit. All the questions you guys have heard so far are from patrons who support the show. Thank you guys so much for your patronage. It means a lot to me. And um, the way these usually work is uh, $10 patrons or above get priority for these Q&As. I haven't been doing as many of them lately. Um, yeah, so those were all questions from $10 patrons, but we've got some more time left. So we'll dive into some more questions from $5 patrons, unless you've got anything to share. I just burped a little totally, bit. <laughs> totally putting you on the spot. Okay. Yeah. Um, and you can learn more at patreon.com slash the nugget climbing. Thank you very that much. That was a good plug. <laughs> I'm trying to get better at plugging myself. I like how you were like... <clears throat> $10 patrons can get priority. I haven't been doing the quick Q&As as much lately. but <laughs> <laughs> It's true. Well, yeah, if you guys want more of them, um, let me know. May, I, well, let me, yeah, I don't know. I want to create what you guys want. So I think um, one thing that might make the Q&As more interesting is to do more of them like this, like mm. have a guest, mm -hmm. have a featured guest. I think that could be really fun. So yeah. that might become more of a thing in the future. Okay. You know I'm always down. Yeah, it could just be Q&As with Ethan Pringle. <laughs> <laughs> I can just answer questions for other people in the way that I think oh, they will answer. <laughs> that's good. We'll just practice our imitations. Yeah, our imitations. Yeah, and just be everybody. Uh, this question is for you. It's from Daniel. That um, epic bat hang video, was it actually restful? <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, what's with all the bat hanging? <laughs> It just feels good. Right. Um, I don't know. I just like it. It's it's like <clears throat> it it feels like making something that should be really uncomfortable comfortable, which is like I feel like a part of my life philosophy for some reason. Um, just like you know, making. I think I think there's something very like yogic about it. I think yoga is is all all about finding comfort in sort of uncomfortable positions and i think like bat hanging is also kind of like finding comfort or like peace or like you know sort of like relaxation in in like a position that should be like really stressful and uncomfortable yeah um and i don't know it just like gravity is the silent killer i think like our spines are always like getting compressed and like you know we're just like constantly sitting or standing and like compressing and it's nice to just hang upside down and like elongate your spine it's like a little trip to the chiropractor it just feels <laughs> and it just feels really good like it engages your core and um <clears throat> like i like doing it like during my warm-up mm. um sometimes i'll like go into the gym and i'll like <clears throat> hang from my toes in the pull-up bar and like i'll do that like a few times without touching the ground 
Hmm. And it feels like a really good core, core like warm Like you just go like up. arms to toes to arms to toes or hands yeah. to toes. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. Nice. It's a little bit scary on the pull-up bar because it's, um, it's sometimes it's like a little bit hard to get back up. I think if there's, if like the best way to, to, or the best like place to do it is like on a jug with like other holds or other like positive mm. holds below it so that you don't have to like do a full sit up in order to get back to the hold. And sometimes... Sometimes it's like scary if if there's like if it's like right on top of a roof or something like and it's like quite difficult to sit back up and like grab the same hold that you let go to like let go mm. of um like I did it on the on that deep water solo the other day and I kind of like could barely let go and then I realized like after I had let go that I was like going to have a hard time like getting back to the holds that I let go of and I I did but I was like I think everyone felt the like moment of panic that I felt which was like <laughs> am I about to like am I about to fall you know am I about to like let go with the toes but yeah. I didn't I, I got back to the holds for people that don't know what we're talking about, probably everyone knows what a bat hang is, but just in case you don't, Ethan likes to get to a jug, usually at the top of like a highball <laughs> and then just spin around and toe hook match the jug with both feet and then just let go with his hands and just hang there upside down and extend. And you've done, it's funny that Daniel said that epic bat hang video. I was like, which one? Like, I think he's talking about Luminous. Probably Luminous. That's the one you've, that you've done like, on, went semi-viral. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I did yeah. from the top of luminance. I it was funny. Like I, I mean, I don't know. It, I, when I do it a lot, then I'm just like in the mode of like looking for them or whatever. And um, I could kind of tell that there was like a perfect little jug at the end of luminance <laughs> to do it on. And I was like, hmm, that could be fun. <laughs> and then I got there and I like threw my toes up, and sure enough, it felt like great. So I just <laughs> let go, and it was like it was totally fine. I mean, it's like if 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 you've done them as much as I have, or as much as. Tanner has then you kind of just know what like when it feels right and when it doesn't mm -hmm. um and you can you can tell like really quickly you like oh this it. is this is great or like no this this isn't great <laughs> but obviously I wouldn't do it if I thought there was like any chance I would fall yeah. from that height yeah over that kind of a landing yeah I mean I would have gotten like head first into like a crappy landing <laughs> our roommate <laughs> It's all good. Yeah. To answer Daniel's question Ansel. more, to answer, to, to answer Daniel's question more directly. <laughs> it was not restful. That's definitely not why Ethan wasn't pumped and like needed a break. Up there. No, no, yeah. I, I could have, I, I could have managed the top out without, without the bat hang. It was just, it was just a stunt. Yeah. I just, I, I'm just like, I'm just an attention horror basically. I think, um, I think something that it brings to mind, I, like I haven't really realized this till just now, but I'm really impressed with your belief in yourself. Like when mm. I finally get to the jug on like something hard that I'm trying, I'm like, I'm sending right now. I'm not going <laughs> to fuck around. And I think it shows a lot of like trust in yourself and like, mm. and like belief that you're just like, cool, I did it. I'm just going to fuck around here for a second <laughs> and then I'll top out eventually. Sometimes it's like, you know, part of the beta or whatever. Uh, I guess I haven't been on that many routes where I was like, I needed to bat hang in order to like recover. Honold bat hung on um, Arrested Development. Oh, really? His, his one and only 9A that yeah. is actually 8C+. <laughs> <laughs> called out. <laughs> he, 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 he called himself out on your show. That's true. That's yeah. true. I'm not um, but I think yeah. he, I, I think I did that a few times on Arrested Development. Um, I was wearing different shoes at the time. I think they weren't as good for bat hanging, but Honold did it. And he, he said it was like helpful. Nice. So, yeah. Tanner. 
Could you turn off the fridge? There's a there's a switch in the back on the wall. Yeah. I think it's on the outlet. It's like a light switch on on an outlet behind the fridge. You have to pull it out. Thank you. Thanks, dude. <clears throat> cool. Bat hanging covered. I think so. Yeah. That was a thoughtful answer. Do you think, well, you're really good at toe hooking. Both you guys are. Do you think Tanner's in the room now? We're talking to Tanner. Yeah. Um, both Tanner. you guys are really good at toe hooking. Do you think the bat hanging helps the toe hooking or probably do you bat hang? Cause you're, <laughs> yeah, our, our shins are stronger from the bat hanging, right? Yeah. I think we have pretty, I think we have pretty strong shins, shin nice. muscles. Yeah. Right. And I just love toe hooking. Yeah. Like I'm definitely way better at toe hooking than I am at heel hooking. Mm. There we go. Yeah. Tanner's doing some Tanner's putting in the hours <laughs> <laughs> all right uh, this is from Alan for both of us if you could have one climber's superpower for example Stefano Giusolfi's endurance mm. Dave Graham's beta wizardry which mm. you might have already he's nodding what would it be and why <laughs> Um, I don't know if I have Dave's beta wizardry, but I have, I have Ethan's beta wizardry, which is, which is almost as good. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Maybe, maybe Noah Wheeler's fingers. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. That'd be helpful. Yeah. Stefano probably has insanely strong fingers too. Yeah. I think, I think if I could just be Stefano <laughs> with my beta wizardry, I would probably climb any rock ever. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Yeah. The first one that came to mind when I read that was... Uh, Honold's lead head? Honold's solo head? No. I mean, that would be pretty incredible, but no, like that doesn't that doesn't appeal to me as much. I yeah. just want to climb hard things. Mm. Um, Aiden's, mm. whatever Aiden's got going on. <laughs> Aiden's whatever. Aiden's everything. <laughs> I want that. Like the way that he's just like the high angle crimping thing, but mm. the way that he's like so locked in mm-hmm. when he's climbing mm-hmm. really hard moves. Mm-hmm. I mm-hmm. love that style. I think it's just mm-hmm. like, I don't know, it speaks to me. I think yeah. it's really cool. Yeah, Aiden, Aiden, is, Aiden is really cool to watch climb. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I love watching him climb. Like yeah. the way, I think I, I think I like climb in a somewhat slow, similar, like mm-hmm. locked in style and it just, mm-hmm. it just feels really fucking good. Yeah, when totally. Like, when you're just owning. When you own yeah. holds. Yeah. yeah. I like owning too. Yeah, I think it's I'm sweet. Not, I'm not Aiden Roberts owning, but. Yeah. Yeah. You might be out of frame right now, but oh, that's okay. I think I might be. Oh, like my head. Oh, also, is my camera off? (laughs) (laughs) Not again. Does that mean recording? The red light's not on. Okay. Pause. Pause. And we will be right back. This episode is brought to you by Green Chef. Green Chef makes eating delicious, healthy meals so ridiculously easy. Green Chef is the number one meal kit for eating well, regardless of your personal lifestyle. Whether you prefer keto, paleo, vegan, vegetarian, Mediterranean, or gluten-free foods, Green Chef has tasty meals just for you and your way of eating. The thing I love most about Green Chef is that their recipes feature organic produce and sustainably sourced ingredients. That means you get the convenience of a meal kit service without compromising on food quality. And for me personally, eating quality food is the most important thing 
I do to feel good. I really think it makes a difference. I recently had some green chefs sent to my parents' house in Washington since I live in a van. And one night for dinner, we had a spicy sesame shrimp stir fry with broccoli, cashews, and a spicy ginger lime aioli sauce. It was so good. Everyone loved it. It was healthy and it took 15 minutes to put together. It was amazing. Right now, my dear listeners, Green Chef is offering you guys 60% off and free shipping. That's insane. Go to greenchef.com slash 60 nugget and use code 60 nugget. That's six zero nugget to get 60% off plus free shipping. Once again, that's greenchef.com slash 60 nugget and use code 60 nugget to get 60% off plus free shipping shipping. Green Chef, the number one meal kit for eating well. And now back to the show. Okay. And we're back. (laughs) Okay. Question from Jacob for you. Hmm. You are pretty vocal about your depression. Hmm. Do you feel like that's true? You talk about like internal struggles, but do you talk about depression? Um, I don't know if I've ever used that word. Or maybe I have. I I don't know, like, I don't know if I, if the word depression, like, resonates with me a ton. Like, I don't know if I would call my stuff that. But, yeah, I think I've, like, I've I've talked about my mental health journey a little bit. Okay. Here and there. Probably more than most people. Yeah. Jacob asks... Or writes, I can definitely see how it would have plenty of negative effects on climbing, but do you think it is, do you think it has benefited you in any ways? Depression. Or mental health struggles. Mm. Um, I think my like self-hate, self-criticism stuff probably is like the shadow side to a lot of the things that um like are more i guess like classically positive aspects of my person mm. yeah i think like i don't know i <clears throat> am like a caring um like loving person to a lot of friends and family and stuff and um i have like some great gifts from the universe and also have some like some pretty bad like darkness and um and some yeah some like some self-hate self-criticism stuff that you know can can feel overwhelming and yeah just like we're all we're all like a a big yin yang Mm. and there's like light inside the dark and dark inside the light Mm -hmm. yeah yeah so i i don't know i think like there are definitely parts of myself that i want to do more work around understanding and accepting and like that feels like motivating and inspiring but it's not always motivating and inspiring it's sometimes it's like it feels like hopeless and Mm. um yeah and like isolating (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> Tanner is just in here eating passion fruit. Eve's dropping. <laughs> it's totally fine. I'm sitting here not knowing what to say. <laughs> That's fine. I mean, it's, I, I don't know. I'm like, I'm, I'm, I guess I'm like a complicated person and like, yeah. I, it's not always easy to like myself or like love myself. But, um, but I think that like maybe the opposite side of that sort of psychological coin is that like, I can, I don't know, like it's really easy to like love and support other people. Do you, do you work on that? The self-love thing? Do you do anything um, to work on that or practice it? Not, not as much as I should. That's okay. for sure. Yeah. Just curious. Yeah. yeah. One thing that's kind of curious about reading this question from Jacob is like, and this is kind of third hand, so I don't really have anything, um, any personal experience or expertise to like pass on here, but I listen to a lot of podcasts and I've listened to a lot of Tim Ferriss as everyone knows. And um, he talks about this a lot because everyone always asks him, like, am I going to lose my edge? You know, he, mm -hmm. he like is so, he's so in that like kind of Silicon Valley, like type A, mm. really driven scene. Mm. And he's talking about things like stoicism and meditation and people are like, well, yeah, that's all well and good. And like self-care mm -hmm. is good, but mm -hmm. like, am I going to lose my edge? Mm. And I think... I've known climbers. I've probably been the climber who like really wrestled with that. Mm. You know, like, mm -hmm. am I going to feel mm -hmm. less driven and I, am I going to be less mm. hungry if mm -hmm. I like work on myself? And, right. If you do more like self-acceptance. Yeah. If I yeah, feel more like right, internally fulfilled, right, am I going right, to have right. less drive? And like the question, like, it's just, I think, I think it's kind of the wrong question to ask because um, there's probably some element that's valid, you know, like I, I don't think I feel as hungry these days as I did when I was like, there was a few years where I was like pretty miserable living in mm. Bend and like climbing at Smith a lot and kind of doing everything mm -hmm. in my power to like get better. I don't feel like I'm giving everything to climbing in the same way that I was then, but I wasn't happy. Like mm -hmm. it didn't, mm -hmm. it, none of it matters, you know, mm -hmm. like I wasn't um, enjoying life. I wasn't mm -hmm. like, mm -hmm. it wasn't going to go anywhere positive. Like even if I had done the mm -hmm. 514 I wanted to do at the time, like it wouldn't have changed anything, <laughs> mm -hmm. you know? Um, it probably just would have prolonged, like if I'd had more success, it would have just prolonged the process of like having to face who I really am, what I really want, mm -hmm. um, what I really want to do, what am I willing to do to like have the life that I actually want, you know? Mm -hmm. um, yeah. So if you're asking yourself that, Jacob, I think like from a base of like loving yourself and a base of investing in, in yourself and investing in the person you want to be, I think like a really wholesome love and drive kind of like comes out of that. Like a, like a passion comes out of that. That's different mm -hmm, from mm -hmm. like a, the, the type of drive that's trying to fill a hole, like a bottomless <laughs> hole, you know? Um, but I'm, I'm in such a better place. I'm so much more content with my climbing now mm. than I was then. Mm. So for whatever that's worth. But mm -hmm. that's the same thing Tim always says. He's like, no, like you're not going to lose your edge. It's going to be so much better. Mm. And what's the point of like having that edge if you're miserable? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. <clears throat> right. Like if I fill the void within myself with like, you know, self-love and self-acceptance, am I going to just like not want to fill it with like climbing objectives or right. something? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> I don't, probably not. Am I not going to want to train as hard or mm -hmm, whatever? Mm -hmm. But like, I don't know. You can, you can get really motivated. But I think, I think like love and like positive 
emotions can can lead to like really strong motivation too. Mm-hmm. Doesn't mm-hmm. all have to be like yeah. need driven. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, I agree. Anything else on that? Let's 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 get back to that. Let's come back to that question in six months. <laughs> <laughs> all right. <clears throat> okay, Ren writes question for Stephen. That's me. Uh, do you plan to focus on sport climbing again in the future? How was your experience meeting climbing partners and friends when you first moved into your van? And Ethan, not sure if you've done anything similar, but feel free to answer that too. So I'll, I'll answer the first part first. Yes, I definitely plan to return to sport climbing. Um, pretty psyched on bouldering right now. Yeah, I'm really, really uh, fired up on it and feel like I'm in kind of like a positive feedback loop with it where I'm like noticing that I'm getting better every year. And every time I do go back to sport climbing, even if it's like, you know, I, I had one session on Joe Exotic again this spring and I could feel the difference from a year of hard bouldering. I felt so much stronger on this one, literally on one hold on the route, like this one hold that you have to clip from that I struggled with last year. Um, and that's motivating. Like I, I know that the, the bouldering is helping sport climbing in a way that the sport climbing does not help bouldering. So, um, so yes, I'm sticking with bouldering for now, who knows how long, but I definitely will come full circle and try to, try to go after some dream roots eventually. Not sure when, um, in my experience meeting climbing partners and friends on the road has been pretty good. I, th- I think I, I don't really know exactly how to answer this because honestly, it's been pretty easy for me. I, I've, but I've, I've had so many years of climbing, like I've been, you know, I have so many connections and so many friends from so many years of climbing that um, I haven't really had an experience where I like dropped into a new area and didn't know anybody. Like that kind of never happens. I always know someone. I can always connect with like a friend and then mutual friends and then, you know, partnerships, climbing partnerships grow out of that. But um, have you struggled with that at all? I mean, you you know people everywhere. Do you ever like show up and hustle to to find partners or have any like tips for that? Um, I mean, I think a lot of people are more picky than I am about who they climb with. I think I'm like, I'm like pretty immediately trusting of people. And also if I'm, if I'm desperate, then I'll just go out with anybody. (laughs) (laughs) But, um, yeah, I, 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 it's been, it's been like rare times where I haven't been able to like get to a project or like climb on a day because there's like no one around. But maybe I've also like done a bit of like avoiding those situations too. So how do you connect with random people when you don't have a designated partner? Mm, just like meeting people <clears throat> and like friends of friends and yeah. Um, yeah. I remember after when I was in Barcelona after Felipe left, I was like there for another week trying elbow and combat and I like had to climb with random people. I think I put like a thing out, like I, posted on my Instagram story and Mm -hmm. people like someone replied and I like found, found someone to climb with Yeah, for like a few days or something. Yeah. Yeah. Instagram stories. That hardly ever, like I've hardly ever been in that position. Right. 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 I think I'm like fairly outgoing though. Yeah. I think if you're like on the more shy side, then it's maybe a little bit harder to like, Mm. just like strike up a conversation with random people at the crack and get belays or whatever. But I'm like, Ooh, those people are like, look like they're not doing much right now. And I really 
want to climb this route, maybe I can just ask them for a catch and then mm-hmm. I'll play one of them afterward and, <clears throat> you know, just like make new friends. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think like, I mean, now there's so many digital tools like yeah, Instagram, tag people that like have climbed in the area and might know someone or our locals, obviously tag your local friends. Um, just going to like the hangout spot goes a long way. Mm-hmm. Like if, you know, if you're in a popular area that has like, I mean, I don't know, Miguel's in the red comes to mind or like, um, the mountain hut in Waco. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. The mountain hut in Waco. Every place has something like that. Like every place has kind of a hangout zone or like in rifle, just going up and down the Canyon or, um, you know, at Smith, maybe go to red point or just walk into, walk into Smith and like go to morning glory wall or something like there's just go to where the climbers will probably be and just like try your best to strike up conversations and meet people. Yeah. Go to the route that you want to try. If that works sometimes, just show up there and mm-hmm. like bring all your stuff and like <laughs> hopefully someone there's trying it. You know? That does seem like a gamble during certain times of year. But for sure. Yeah. In Rocklands, it's like. But if you're know. there for a while. If it's popular enough, there will probably be people there. Yeah. But if you're showing up for the first time and you're there for like a few weeks or something or a couple weeks, then like, yeah. you know, first day go there. Maybe you can meet someone that you can like meet up with again on, you know, on more of a schedule or something. If you're trying, so. if you're wanting to try, just do it in the middle of the week and like a random day in March, you might Don't have just a, go back to yeah. just do it. Yeah, that's a good point. That'll probably not work. This question's from Jacob. This is for you. What is your favorite sport climbing destination in the U.S.? Mm. Um, I don't know. I mean... The Red River Gorge kind of comes to mind. It's like kind of a, I don't know, like a basic answer, but um, there's just not that much great sport climbing in the U.S. <laughs> it's hard. Yeah, it's, it's hard. Like, to, it's hard. To, it's. I feel like I'm sort of like. It's hard to pick a favorite. The Red is obviously incredible. It's like world class destination. Um, Rifle's really good. I mean, they're all there. There's like there's you know positives and negatives about about every single place. I have such a hard time choosing favorites. Mm-hmm. Um, like there's a lot of tiny areas in California that like the ones I mentioned before in Northern California that aren't really destinations, but are like probably some of my favorite places to climb because yeah. they're super high quality and nobody goes. Yeah. But I don't know. The, the red is sick. Like maybe if I could only have like one area, one sport climbing area to climb at for the rest of my life, it would be that one or maybe the new or something. Yeah. Although I haven't really climbed at the new, but it's funny. Like what is an area too? You know, like if you mm-hmm. say St. George, you kind of get like a you, lot of, you, a you lot get of like crags. 20 crags. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You get like all the Vegas crags. Yeah. You know, depending on your radius. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, interesting. St. George is an area kind of like the red is an area or the new yeah, or something. That's true. Yeah. 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 Probably wouldn't be Jailhouse, but um, <laughs> Jailhouse is good too. <laughs> but it's not my favorite. I don't know. I think like yeah. At for, when you started reading that question, I thought I thought it was just going to be like, what is your favorite sport climbing area? Full stop. And then I was thinking about Europe, but mm. then you said in the U.S. and I was like, shit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Sorry, Jacob. Yeah. <laughs> it's kind of funny. Yeah, favorite is an interesting word. It's hard to yeah. distill it down to that because like. The ones, there's like three different answers that come to mind. Like Equinox comes to mind because 
I, it's like still one of my favorite mm -hmm. places I've ever climbed. And I have like a lot of personal like history there mm -hmm. in Washington, mm -hmm. tiny little crag. Amazing mm -hmm. though. Mm -hmm. Like truly, truly really good. And then like tent sleep, just cause I've had so much like pure fun mm -hmm. there, mm -hmm. like maybe more pure fun sport climbing there than like anywhere else mm -hmm. I've climbed. Mm -hmm. But then kind of Smith because of all the personal growth there. Mm. <laughs> There's a lot a lot to that though. Mm -hmm. And then like St. George, because that's where I mostly climb these days, you know? Mm. So like, yeah, favorites an interesting, interesting thing. Hard to pin down a favorite. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I have trouble with the favorite thing too. Question for both you guys this is from Lars. How do you deal with setbacks and mental struggles? <laughs> Badly, <laughs> don't deal with them. Sweep them under the sweep them under the rug. <laughs> Keep chugging. <laughs> yeah, Stephen. I was. <laughs> I was. I mean, I have an answer. I was thinking about this. Obviously, I got to to read these and think about them ahead of time. And yeah, I was thinking about this with being sick on this trip. Like, I, I guess the thing that always helps me is. It's, it's like anything in life, just like focusing on what I can actually do about the situation rather than focusing on the things I can't control. Mm. Like I could make myself really fucking miserable if I just focused on how unlucky I was on this trip, you know, but what's done is done and I can't change it and that's fine. And sometimes that just happens. But what I can do is I can focus on like what I was inspired by on this trip, what the climbs that I tried showed me about my climbing and I can get really, really excited to like go back and work on those things. Mm -hmm. So I'm like amped up to train. I'm like amped up to board train after like all these conversations with these really strong 18 mm -hmm. year olds, you know, mm -hmm. I want to go back and like moon board and mm -hmm. um, keep getting my fingers stronger and then have like hopefully an amazing season in Waco. And um, I guess just like, yeah, focusing on what I can actually do from here mm -hmm. and looking forward maybe. Um, that paired with like, perspective you know like we started off talking about chronic illness and like mm -hmm. what real sickness and suffering mm -hmm. is and mm -hmm. there's always that to kind of reference and mm -hmm. you also shouldn't belittle or like diminish your own mm -hmm. suffering mm -hmm. like mm -hmm. if you're suffering that's real and you should like you know feel those feelings but yeah i think focusing on what i can actually do helps me a lot yeah yeah when you were when you were talking i was um yeah, like exercising, like exercising gratitude for what I have. Like, I think the older I get, like the more I reflect on how lucky I am to still like have a body that mostly does what I want it to do and um, like is pretty healthy. And yeah, just like, even if I'm not like sending the gnar, I'm still outside, like in beautiful places, more days than not. And that's like, you know, that's a super huge gift. And yeah. I think also just like taking time to be present, like take your mind out of like the past or the future and just like focus on the now always helps like with, with, um, mental health stuff, mm -hmm. I think. And, and like when you're in Rocklands and you take time to, you know, focus on the present, it's usually like pretty easy to tap into. Yeah. Just like how beautiful and how peaceful it is here. The views here. This is, I don't know if this is like my all time favorite bouldering area. Like I have mixed feelings about the actual climbing and maybe I'll talk more about that in the future. I'm still kind of like wrapping my head around that. <laughs> we should talk that, talk about that now. Okay. <laughs> it seems like it's fresh on your mind. <laughs> but like 
aesthetically, mm. this is hands down like, yeah. the coolest place I've ever visited. Yeah. Like yeah. the beauty, the beauty of the landscape here is fucking insane. And yeah. like the shapes of the rock and the stripes and the colors and like, man. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's you should. You have truly to. Amazing. I, I I'll show you the video, one of the videos that I took from the Bester Crag yesterday. But the view from the Sport Crag the sport we went crag. to is nice. is like the best view in Rockland. So it's so cool. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Nice. Well, let's let's get through these few questions. Okay. Maybe I can. Maybe we can circle back to that. Okay. Um, this is from Connor. This is for you. What are some of the most memorable boulders you've sent, and why? What are some major boulders for you on the life list? Mm. I think this one's for you. I actually don't know. Oh. I'll assume so. Okay. Um, <clears throat> most memorable boulders. Um, God. I think like the nest was like a memorable boulder. <laughs> Spent yeah. a lot of time. Do you think it's always like connected to the most invested <laughs> Um, or the greatest investment. I mean, I think I've like had singular moments trying boulders that felt really profound. Like I think I like sometimes I think about this mo- the moment when I like decided to do this boulder problem in Bishop called Power Animal. Um, like I had been trying it for a few days and I was really close and I was like falling at the like the crux at the end and then I just like got up there once and kind of just like decided to like give it a hundred percent and just like did it. And, um, like that was, that was like a kind of cool standout moment in my bouldering career. But I think, yeah, like generally the, the, the climbs that really take you for a ride are the ones that stand out the most. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. What else? I mean, yeah. Like topping out, get railed was definitely like a, a memorable moment just because it felt like just really extreme. And I was like, so in the moment, you know, like I was so like, I just felt so present and like, uh, you know, was experiencing everything in slow motion or something. Mm. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know. There's like, there's, I think, I think I have moments like that so often though, that it's like hard to sort of like the, the ones that stand out most in my mind are maybe the most recent ones. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. What was the question? What was the, how, how was it phrased again? Yeah. Some of your most memorable boulders and why, mm, and what are memorable some major, boulders. what are some major boulders for you in the life list? Yeah. Memorable boulders. I thought about some boulders that I put up in Greenland in 2012 that were pretty memorable. <laughs> that were probably like some of the, like the most unique setting at least mm. like on a glacier, like giant, like ships, prow boulders, like on a glacier. Mm-hmm. That I don't even know if they're like situated in the same way anymore because the glacier is like melting and shifting. But um, wow, crazy. Yeah, um, yeah. The lifeless boulders. We've we've touched on that a couple times. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We have living large. Um, feels like the one. Yeah, monkey wedding now. But yes. I feel like I I feel like that won't take me like an enormous amount of effort probably. Mm-hmm. Once I like really start trying it i don't know i thought i wanted to do lucid dreaming but i think like it feels so far away that it feels like it feels like maybe i don't know i would have to be like a a different climber to do it or something Mm. yeah what about you memorable well yeah I, i was just thinking like i think it's i think it's connected to investment 
mm-hmm. for me. And and there's some recency bias too, but like Eternia just immediately, like hands down, comes mm-hmm. to the top of my mm-hmm. mind. And it's mm-hmm. it's kind of interesting because like I did three, I did my first three V11s that season. Mm. Um, and that one's V11, but it like, mm-hmm. it's the clear winner of, mm-hmm. of the three because mm-hmm. it was just all the hiking, like mm-hmm. all the effort, mm-hmm. all the labor. Um, <clears throat> yeah, it's I, I like I kind of feel like I can't talk about it because there's some like logistics stuff, but just the logistics were really complicated mm-hmm. and took a lot of effort. And it took me 11 days over a month. And like the first time I tried it, it's 18 moves long. And the first time I tried it, I like didn't do all the moves. So mm-hmm. it was like, I don't know if I can do this, but mm-hmm. I'm going to like go on the journey, you know? Mm-hmm. And yeah, I mean, when I think about that boulder, like I don't even picture myself climbing it. I picture myself like walking up the talus field with three crash pads on my back or I picture myself like just sitting there like looking out over upper chaos and it's empty and it's just me up there mm-hmm, you know mm-hmm. and all that kind of stuff is really special mm-hmm. yeah yeah like the the boulders that where you like kind of find yourself mm-hmm. like you take a journey within mm-hmm. too yeah 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 and then yeah I don't know most life listers I've talked about this a little bit but the teacup in Leavenworth is definitely one um, yeah, that's definitely one wheel of life is like something that I've always thought was like the coolest thing on the planet. It seems so, so cool. I love long, like roofs. I just love, I love that, that boulder root sort of thing. <clears throat> and then like somewhat kind of similar, but, uh, story of two worlds as far as like really, really hard, like, you know, big far off dream sort of thing. I think that one's something I'd feel really interested in. Um, who knows if I'll ever climb the hard, but yeah. But yeah, the teacup, like I'll, I'll do that. Like I'll definitely do that. I don't know when, I I don't know how hard, how long it'll take or how much work, but like I want to start kind of benchmarking, like checking in on that one, like from season to season, you know, because it's, it's a really straightforward, like three or four move, like power test piece basically. So it'd be kind of a cool one to like test myself on start trying more consistently mm. i've just always wanted to do it i've mm-hmm. just always thought it was like the coolest thing mm-hmm. looks yeah. sick favorite home crag another favorite <laughs> what's a place if any in the bay that you won't get tired of that's from cooper <laughs> it's one of the gyms <laughs> yeah pack pipe <laughs> the training center when it's empty the touchstone training center <laughs> Nice. I mean, Castle Rock, when the conditions are good, it's so fun to just go circuit there. So beautiful. And if it's like windy and chilly, nice. it's like, like really fun to circuit there. And there's still there's still hard stuff that I haven't done. So does Bishop feel like a home crack? Yeah. Yeah. I think I've like I've spent enough time in Bishop and I have also sort of lived there for like chunks that that feels like home. Bishop yeah. is so beautiful and peaceful. Yeah. Yeah. The milks. The milks. All those highballs. Ye old milks. Do you have any like huge epic highballs left to do? I mean, there's Keenan's new thing. Mm -hmm. Have you done all the other ones? I haven't done Ambrosia. Okay. Yeah. It's like the only one I haven't done. Wow. Yeah. That's sick, dude. Yeah. Yeah. Have all your other ones been repeated? What's that? Have your other, have your FA highballs been repeated? Like Old Greg and... Um, Old Greg has been done... Lifestyle? Once. 
Okay. Just by one other person, I think. By Fabian Bull. Okay. Um, Lifestyles hasn't. I don't think anyone's even touched it. Yeah. Be cool to, to like, be cool for someone to do it. Yeah. And, or at least try it. I think, I think the, like, you know, I put it up at the end of 2022 and then, like, the fall fall and winter of like 2023 got kind of screwed there. It was like a, like a gnarly season because mm. of the road, the road got washed out and mm. stuff. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> maybe, maybe next year people will try it. That'd nice. be cool. It's yeah. It's worthy. Sick. Yeah. Last question. Okay. From, from listeners, from patrons. Um, yeah, this one is from Luke. I threw this one in because I thought it, I just thought it would be really interesting to hear your thoughts on it. I kind of like immediately had an answer come to mind, but I just had like never, had never really like considered this being a question. But it makes sense from a newer climber. I'll just ask it. Um, Luke writes: I'm 32 years old, been climbing for a year. Just got my first V8 in the gym. Wow. Yeah, nice job, Luke. That's pretty sick. Um, I thought it would be interesting to ask a question to someone who's been climbing for 20 plus years. I don't understand why such strong climbers hold themselves to perceive limits later on. Mm. Whereas it seems like this, the strongest started by trying grades, at least bouldering that were considered way out of their reach Mm. could be an interesting conversation. So yeah. Mm. Why is it that I I have my own answer, but why is it that um, as we get further on in our climbing, we start holding ourselves to perceived limits? Mm. Yeah, that's a good question. Um, I think we, I think we have like a lot of, like, the longer you climb and the more, like, the harder you try, the sort of more like, like failure reinforcement you have or something. Maybe, and then maybe you feel like you've been climbing so long and you've been sort of testing your limits for so long that you know, you think you know what they are. So you think that you, you know, just like anyone else, you have, you have an idea of like what you think you're capable of. And I think, I think that, I think that like expert and expert plus expert plus plus climbers, like probably do have a better idea of what their physical limits are, but they still don't really know, but they think they know more. Like they think that they're more intimate with like their, their physical limits. But I think like, I'm, I still surprise myself, you know, Adam Mm -hmm. Andra still surprises himself. Mm -hmm. Like we still don't really know. And I think that's what makes climbing interesting and why people do it for so long. Cause they're still like, you know, they, they, they're still like curious about what their limits are and they're still curious if they can like, you know, break those stories about what they're capable of. Mm Mm-hmm. But I think that, yeah, like, I think, I think it's like a combination of like climbing for a long time and a lot of like failure reinforcement. And then also just like the older we get the sort of, you know, I don't know, like the, the more baggage we create and the more like limiting belief stories we create. Mm -hmm. And, um, yeah, it's funny how hard it is to learn from all the lessons of like, breaking those beliefs Mm -hmm. because I've done it so many times and every time I'm like, okay, I can like take this forward and like not limit myself so much. And then like, yeah, the, the doubt, like, or the, you know, the limiting beliefs 
creep back in. I think it's also just like it varies person to person. Some people have more of that and some people have less. Whoa. It just got really smoky. Yeah, it's getting smoky in here. What the fuck? <laughs> be be oh right back. God. Oh my God. <laughs> Holy shit. Thanks. Uh, like a breeze just like came down the chimney. <clears throat> huh? Yeah, we're yeah. good. Yeah, we're good. Thanks. Um, yeah, well said. What you do you think? You basically like, you basically said like almost exactly what I had okay. been thinking, which is the way you said it slightly differently, which is cool. But I was kind of thinking like, yeah, I mean, the more you do anything, you, we're, we're all like telling ourselves stories about who we are mm-hmm. based on feedback, based on experience, based mm-hmm. on evidence. Mm-hmm. And like, at, the longer you climb, the more evidence you get. And you know, for me, for instance, like I've been training pretty hard and like climbing and trying my ass off on like hard climbs for the last few years and, you know, have gotten like half a grade better, maybe, mm. you know, mm-hmm. quarter of a grade, maybe three quarters of a grade, maybe a full grade, whatever. <laughs> but like, I've tried a lot of things, you know, like I, yeah, like I, I haven't climbed like V13 yet, but I've, I've tried some and I know how hard they are and I know how long... <clears throat> like the v eleven still take me, <clears throat> you know, mm-hmm. and so you're um I think when you're new, you progress so quickly, like getting to v eight in a year is amazing, and you just start to feel like, wow, like the sky's the limit, you know, like gonna ride this all the way up to like v seventeen and and maybe you will, but like at some point, everyone slows, you know, and it just seems to depend on the person and their genetics and their background and stuff, but like for me, it's the more years I've been training and climbing and like struggling to level up, the harder it is to, you know, believe that like V17 is on the table for me, you know, Mm -hmm. like I just don't think that's in the cards. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And it's, it's not like the last few years have also shown me like, as I've adopted a different diet, my body's changed. I've gotten a lot stronger from training. I've like adapted better to training. Like maybe V13 is in the cards. I can start to kind of like challenge that evidence and like that mm-hmm, belief. Mm-hmm. But, but yeah, I mean, I'd be like a total crazy person to think that I, you know, would push the limits of bouldering <laughs> at this point. You know what I mean? Just wouldn't make any sense. So I, I think it is funny to trip out though on like imagining what would happen if you did think that, <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah. Well, cause like, That's yeah, interesting. sometimes like, yeah. We, like you said, we are just, we are always just like telling ourselves a story and we are just limited by that story. And I think I, we've talked about this in previous episodes about how powerful it is to sort of just like, like hear the story and then keep trying anyway, mm-hmm. you know, and just like, put in the work and then like sort of break the story apart by just continuing to try mm-hmm. and like sort of proving to yourself, Oh, I can do this, you know? And I think like the limiting beliefs, at least for me are probably more limiting than anything else, like more limiting than my strength. Hmm. I think, I mean, I'll go and try anyway, but I think even just having those beliefs, even just like, taking those beliefs to the crag with me is like limiting already, you know? Mm-hmm. We're all telling ourselves like how we measure up against some climb. Yeah. That has to have a huge effect. That's true. I mean, if I climbed like on V14, the way that I, like the way that I felt on like a V9, like I wonder how it would feel, you know? 
like if I took that same confidence to like mm. what I think is my limit, what would I do? Yeah. I don't know. It's hard to say because I don't like I don't really have that constitution yet, but yeah. It is interesting to think about. It's also interesting, like you said, to just like take a critical eye to the quote unquote evidence sometimes. Yeah. And like yeah. where I think it that's, even comes from. I think that's really important. I mean, I'm I'm I think I'm a little different than you. I think I feel like like it's maybe my like kind of engineering wiring I'm like very pragmatic right and I I often feel like the evidence is like spot on with my experience no matter what my brain is doing you know mm. like I've I've tried like ultra super confidence like I'm gonna mm. fucking do this I'm gonna mm. do it today you know and <laughs> I'm like I'm way stronger than this and like if you know if if like someone stronger than me is trying something hard and they're stronger than me in like the relevant ways that this thing's hard and it takes them a while to do it. It's going to take me longer to do it. Mm. Like that's how it, it's mm. always how it happens. Mm. You know what I mean? Mm. Um, so my, my reality usually kind of matches like that evidence, but, but it still is really important for me to believe that I have a lot more potential than I think I do based mm -hmm. on that, you know, mm -hmm. like mm -hmm. that's something I'm working on a lot right now. Mm -hmm. It's like, look at Martin Keller. But th again, that's like looking for, looking for like latching on to like stories that um, I can kind of draw inspiration from, mm -hmm. you know, like, mm -hmm. oh, if Martin Keller can continue to progress for like, you know, over a decade beyond where I'm at in my climbing journey and get to, you know, insanely high grades that I don't think are possible for myself. Well, let's kind of backtrack and look at where he was when he was in his mid thirties. Mm -hmm. Wow. He's progressed a lot mm -hmm. in his late thirties and forties. Like mm -hmm. that's sick. Mm -hmm. Maybe I can too. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah. I don't know. That That's really helpful for me in, in like challenging those limiting beliefs. Like I did, I had to do that a lot with weight. Mm -hmm. I still am doing that a lot mm -hmm. with weight, but mm -hmm. it helps a lot to like talk to Nick Rummel, you know, thick Nick or... <laughs> Uh, Matt Foltz or Emil Abrahamson and like hear all these stories of people who are like the same dimensions as me or weigh even more than me and they're climbing super hard and they're still progressing a lot. It just kind of shatters that like glass mm. ceiling, mm. you know, mm. I think that's cool. Mm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. There's a lot of inspiring stories out there. But if I just showed up to a boulder, like naively <laughs> positive, I don't think that would I don't know if that you don't think that a, would yield. I don't know if that makes a big difference for me. I've definitely tried it. I don't mm, know. Mm. I, mean, I mean, I definitely just have depends. a different energy, like climbing something I know I can do. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Like I have a swagger that I don't have. I on, think like, it, the it, limit stuff. Yeah, it helps. I think it helps more on like certain types of things. Like that's the sort of thing I need to work on tapping into for like, you know, trying to do the end, like mm. do a really hard dyno, do a really hard like commitment move. Mm -hmm. I think that's where like belief mm -hmm. and like mm -hmm. faith in yourself. I was actually thinking way. when you were talking a minute ago, I was thinking about your climbing journey and I was like, not that I'm Steven's coach, but <laughs> if I was, I might prescribe him like a, a, a cycle of like, like trying really hard on commercial setting. Mm. Why is that? What do you think that would give me? I don't know. It's just like, it's so varied and often weird and often really committing in a way that I think like Rockland's is. For sure. Yeah. 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 No, you're and right. I think, and I yeah. think you probably yeah. haven't done like a ton of volume on that sort of like terrain. Yeah. 
especially not like modern style stuff. I mean, I yeah, know you like recently, yeah. you grew up like or your your formative years were a lot in the gym and a lot on plastic and stuff, but yeah, but it, yeah, it certainly. But wasn't it was like, like a different style. type of different type of plastic climbing. Yeah, yeah, it's true. I mean, I definitely i I've always thought like the gym is the hardest type of climbing, commercial <laughs> settings the hardest type of climbing, except for the moonboard and uh, <laughs> and Joe's. Yeah, well, I struggle with Joe's for the same reason that I struggle with indoor gym climbing, and I struggle. I'm struggling in Rocklands on the whole for the same reason that I struggle with indoor gym climbing. It's like the same elements that I find hard. Mm -hmm. And then, but then like out here, there's more, you know, more variety, like Black Shadow plays to my strengths really well. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But I don't know, 90% of the things that I've tried don't. (laughs) Do you want to talk about it? Uh, We said we might. Sure. We don't have to, but yeah. 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 Um, Well, I'm, I'm like, I have mixed feelings about talking about it because again, it goes back to like, I do feel really lucky to be here and I've always wanted to come here. Yeah. So I don't want to like... But I think it's totally fine to like talk about the trip you had. Like I don't think yeah. it's... I don't think it like it... it you, you've been like incredibly positive considering what you've been through in the last month, I think. <laughs> like if I was in your shoes, I'd be fucking bummed. Like I wouldn't, I wouldn't be smiling as often as you are. <laughs> so I think that, I think that you're doing okay. And I don't think you need TV to be shows like, to watch. you don't need to, you don't need to feel like self-conscious <clears throat> about like having, having feelings about, about your Rocklands trip. Well, I've just never, <laughs> I've never heard anyone come back from Rocklands and be like, <laughs> I I know of at least one other person. I, I know someone who left early this year. Hmm. You don't hear about that happening very much. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's different. I guess it's just really different than I expected. I, I don't know. There, there's like a lot of, there's a lot of things going on to it. I've like been thinking a lot about like how I'll describe the trip to friends, you know, when they asked me how Rocklands was. Um, yeah, because cause there's, it, it almost sounds bipolar or something. I like, also just realized you're in like a pretty different category of like Rock, Rocklands visitors. What do you mean? Very few of the other people who are in Rocklands for a whole season are working like a full-time job. Mm. That's like, that's a huge difference. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. That's been actually pretty challenging here. Yeah. And part of that, I did, I did part of that to myself because I like didn't work that much in Switzerland and kind of like was in vacation mode a little more. And then I came here and I was like way behind on the podcast and kind of (laughs) stressing. And then it was way harder to work here than like anywhere else I visited. So, yeah. um, that's, that's, that's like a, that's a challenge. That, that was a factor. Yeah. 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 I guess I just haven't liked most of the climbing nearly as much as I thought I would. That's kind of what it is. But then, yeah, I mean, it's not like I don't like Rocklands. Like there's so much, there's 7,000 boulders here, you know? So there's like, there's going to be a black shadow. There's going to be a moisty Maisie. Like those are two of the sickest things I've ever tried all time life listers, you know, like had an amazing experience trying black shadow. And then I found some other things that I really enjoyed climbing on as well, or like thought looked really cool for the future. Um, and there's so many more out there. Like I could come back here for the rest of my life and like cherry pick the life listers and have an amazing time. I just feel like the average climb here, um, yeah, I just haven't, I haven't been like that into like the, the kind of average style. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It's hard to describe. Like it's, 
I was thinking about a lot today, like walking around the coop for the first time and looking at all the boulders, like aesthetically, they're so beautiful. Like they are, it's some of the most pretty rock I've ever seen, but the way it climbs just like on the whole isn't super intriguing to me. Mm. Like the seams, like the locking off between mm-hmm. seams and stuff. And, you know, sometimes it's because like my fingers don't fit, but really it's like, like I've never thought the New River Gorge looked that cool either mm. for like the same reason. Like the mm-hmm. big moves between mm-hmm. the horizontals mm-hmm. is like, mm-hmm. I just want more like, and it's not that it's not complex. Like I know it's complex, but I just like love different holds and different positions and orientations mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. shapes and stuff like that. I think that's really it's cool. It's definitely like a kind of minimalistic style. Yeah. Yeah. It's almost like the gym in that way or something. Yeah. It's like there's there's not like a surplus of features. Yeah. Or like ways to grab the holds or something. Yeah. Yeah. It's not like, yeah. But it, yeah, it's, it's like the way the holds feel, the way the rock feels, mm. the, the body positions a lot of the time. It's just hasn't been my favorite. I don't know. Okay. okay. But I, but at the same time, I'm like, I want, I, I want to come back because I want to be good at this. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you think, do you think that part, it's partly because like the style is just really hard for you? Probably. Yeah. Yeah. That's probably part of it. Yeah. Yeah. And I feel like if I got better at this style, I'd kind of get better at like everything, mm. you know, in, mm-hmm. in the same, in the same way that I always feel like if I level up in the gym, like I can apply that to. Yeah. Right. Like this place sort of like, like addresses your weaknesses or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Kind of hammers on them. <laughs> <laughs> but I just, I mean, it's not even. I think everyone feels that at their own level here. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. I mean, but maybe it's like, maybe it is sort of like a, like the gym, like Joe's Valley style of climbing that is like super like straightforward and powerful or something or. I don't know. And that's not an, I love Joe's. Like that's yeah. not so much of an issue. I think right. like another thing that's unique about this place is I think the density is super low. Mm. Um, mm-hmm. Like we were talking to someone the other day and they like mentioned how high the density was and how amazing it was. And I was kind of like, huh. And it is in the sense that like, there's 7,000 boulders in Rocklands. Mm. Like that's amazing. Mm -hmm. But comparing it to Joe's or Waco or Mm -hmm. Bishop or Mm -hmm. Leavenworth or like any of these other places that I climb, like the spread out nature of the place and like how far apart Mm -hmm. climbs are, Mm -hmm. I've never really, it's like I have to relearn how to like go about a climbing trip because Mm -hmm. I normally like pick out really cool hard things that I want to do and just assume that I'll find like tons of other things that look cool along the way. Mm-hmm. And I've just been like underwhelmed mm-hmm. doing that approach here. Mm-hmm. Like going to an area to check out a sick V11 or something or V10. And then I'm like, I don't really want to do any of these moderates really. Like mm-hmm. none of them look that cool to me or like mm-hmm. maybe this one over here, but like, mm-hmm. but yeah, I haven't done that many like V, you know, easies to up to like V8s that mm-hmm. I thought were like really good. Mm-hmm. And I just I just thought there would be like tons of mm-hmm. five-star everything, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think you have to just go seek them out a lot more than I expected. Mm. You know, it's like, and coming from Magic Wood, it's like total opposite of Magic Wood. Mm. Where, well, Magic Wood is like every single boulder is within like, within like, like a, a 10 minute, yeah. yeah, 10 minute walk. But yeah. like everything you see that looks cool is like sick, mm. like climbs well. Mm. Um, Maybe so, it's just uh, like a preference thing though. Yeah, I might yeah. I mean no one else seems to think this. So. <laughs> That's not true. I did talk to a couple people that like 
we're totally on the same wavelength. And I was like, huh, okay. I'm not like crazy. But do you um, think the mods here are epic, Tanner? <laughs> You got to move around a lot, he says. Yeah. yeah, there's some good ones, but you got to move around a lot. Yeah, I think if I was like here scouring through, you know, the 27 Crags app and like all the YouTube videos looking for the best like V6s and 7s, mm. I'd probably find like amazing V6s and 7s. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But it would take an entirely different mission to go try them. You know what I mean? Like you can't like mm -hmm. go warm up, go try them and then go try your proj. Uh, right, the way that you can in like a lot of other areas. So that's just like, right, pretty because they're also spread out. Yeah, and, yeah, 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 yeah. But that's okay. I mean, I came here to try to climb my first V twelve, and it like is every bit as good. It's better than I hoped it would be. I like love that boulder. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, yeah. And there's there's more really hard five star lines where that came from. So. <laughs> Yeah, it's so funny. It's so funny thinking about like the preference thing because I feel like for me, like I want to climb every single rock here. Hmm. Like some are a little bit less pleasant to me than others, but I think like I'm so inspired by like every hard climb here almost. Once yeah. I start trying some of them, I'm like, uh. Do you think that's a, do you think there's a sweet spot for the grades here? We talk about that a lot yeah. here, how like sort of, I feel like V13 the sickest is... lines are like between V11 and V15 or something. Yeah. Like the like the the you know like some places like the V11 through 15s are kind of like dumpy and bad looking. Yeah, and here like the V11 through 15s are like the coolest Insane. one, the, yeah. like the coolest looking ones at least. Right. Like yeah. I don't know if I've ever seen a cooler boulder in the world than El Corazon. That is the sickest boulder I've maybe ever seen. It's yeah. so cool. Yeah, that one's that one's phenomenal. But it's really hard. But it's hard, yeah. And, but it's, and it's but hard. it's V thirteen, yeah. <laughs> yeah, <exactly. laughs> yeah, yeah. And there's a lot like that, mm -hmm. I guess, mm -hmm. like Airstar or whatever. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, I think I think like yeah, I don't know. Like the finish line doesn't it it's like it doesn't seem that fun. Like it's an epic line. It's like one of the most mega boulders in the world. But like the way you have to grab the holds and stuff, like they're pretty sharp and mm -hmm. they're they, it forces your hands and wrists into super weird positions that feel really unnatural. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like just hanging in the crux position, I'm like, I don't want to do this. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think there's a couple other boulders like that, but I think like it, it sort of like forces me to be like, okay, I want to be good enough to do this, even if it's like sort of uncomfortable. Because like yeah, it's kind of all, all hard climbing is like, I feel is that. sort of unpleasant, you know? Mm -hmm. Like I, th I think that like, you know, there's, everyone has like a, a difficulty level that's like a few grades below their max that feels like really fun and playful and like you know they can be like pretty confident on and they don't have to like force anything too weird or whatever but then like you know ev everyone at their max grade is like doing stuff that feels like kind of unpleasant probably mm -hmm. but i don't know maybe i i like i get inspiration from like i don't know forcing myself to do weird shit or something well no no i i feel that too like i've i have thought about that a lot on this trip like i think i think i like could learn to climb well enough on this style to enjoy it a lot more mm. and that's pretty inspiring like, yeah that yeah. that like motivates me to want to get better yeah because it just i don't know it's a lot of it just feels like weird to yeah. Me and yeah. Like unpleasant. Yeah. Like yeah, yeah, across yeah. across like a way bigger 
grade range than I'm than I usually experience that on. Mm-hmm. Maybe that's mm-hmm. what it is. Yeah. Yeah. Like there's V8s that feel like really weird mm-hmm. and hard. Yeah. 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 And usually I can like make them feel flowy and good. And this, you know, climbing here, I'm like, what's wrong? Well, there's like there's hardly any options. Yeah. Yeah. There's like you get variations you get. of one beta or something, maybe <clears throat> sometimes. Mm-hmm. And the moves are huge. Mm-hmm. I don't know. What do you think it is? I think there's only like what you're saying, like two betas. Yeah. It's like the new. Yeah. There's no there's hardly any intermediates. Yeah. I don't yeah. know why I'm not. Yeah. I need to like tap into that like 18-year-old kid energy. <laughs> like this thing's only two moves. That's so sick, you know? Like let's <laughs> jump between them. <clears throat> Got to tap into that. I think that's fun. Yeah. I mean, most of the boulders here are just like really hard and cruxy. It's like easy to like a like a two or three move like heinous crux or something. Like mm-hmm. Black Shadow is kind of anomalous in that in that yeah. regard. So is so is um, Speed of Sound. Mm. It's like long power endurance boulder. Mm-hmm. Most of them are not like that. I guess Monkey Wedding is a little bit like that too. Yeah, but <laughs> I'm just listing more and more and more. Well, no, I mean there that, are some. No, that is that is for the most part. It's like one or two heinous moves. Totally. No, yeah. that is interesting. I mean, that's that's like a pretty good observation because I've the thing I have consistently been stoked on on this trip is the roof climbing. Yeah, like I've really liked most of the roofs I've tried, and usually mm-hmm. they're like there's more going on. There's more options. Yeah. There's more complexity. Yeah. There's more like there's more features. Yeah. There's more features to work with. So you can kind of make it fit your box. The holds are better. And there's like more moves in a row and there's not as many stopper yeah. moves. And for yeah. some reason, I mean, I guess it's like me being kind of a boulderer sport climber, but you are too. Yeah. I don't know. I got to get psyched on the, <laughs> the nasty crux moves. Yeah. I mean, I think that like my, my, my formative years in climbing a lot of those were spent like monkeying in the gym. And I think this, this style really kind of speaks to that, mm. like dinos and et cetera. How, how, long, how far along are we? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, this is great. Yeah. We're two, but, we're like, we're, we're, we're like, but what's good time to wrap up count? two hours and 24 minutes, okay. but we had a little okay. break in there to change out the camera. <laughs> um, yeah. Anything else? I don't know if we, those are my feelings about rocklets. <laughs> yeah. I like. I'm sorry your trip was rugged, dude. <laughs> I I didn't like. I I don't know if I mm. like rocklets as much as I thought I would. Mm. On the whole, mm. but some of the things I tried were like even better than I hoped, and I definitely want to come back because I like want to sign up for this type of challenge. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. I wanna I wanna like get better at the things that make this place feel hard. Mm-hmm, I think mm-hmm. that could like really be a good growth opportunity. Cool. And like, you know, Carlos talked about falling in love with this place because he'd been kind of seeking out a place that he could really grow a deep connection with. Mm. And he just kind of came here for the first time at the right time and felt that this could be that, you know? And I really love that too. Like, I think that's why I am so in love with Waco. Like I can see that oh, this could be like a lifetime spot, you know? I keep going back there every winter because it's just, you know, it's beautiful and the climbing's great, but more than that, it's like a place that you could really, really get to appreciate. Like there's so many nooks and crannies and like things to um, to discover. And this has that too. And that's that's pretty cool, pretty appealing. Yeah. 
So yeah, I either won't come back for a while or I'll, I'll come back every year for the rest of my life. <laughs> <laughs> It'll be one or the other. Or the other. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing in between. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> Thanks for doing this, man. Yeah. Thank you for having me. Of course. I, I wish I wish we got to hang out more. <laughs> what also wasn't quite the trip I expected, but mm. sometimes it go sometimes it'd be like that. Yeah. I guess. Good luck. Thanks. With your remaining week. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> Good luck with your your travels home. Thank I can't you. believe you're leaving tomorrow. I know. Fuck. I gotta pack. Yeah, okay. That sounds overwhelming. Yeah. But I gotta pack all my stuff. <laughs> All right. All right. Thanks for listening, everybody. Signing off. We'll see you next time. Hasta la pasta. Hey, friends. Before you go, quick shout out to all of our sponsors for this episode. As always, you can find links to all of our sponsors, and you can see the coupon codes for their products in the show notes at thenuggetclimbing.com or just by scrolling down right there in your podcast app. I make it really easy for you guys to get great deals on some of my favorite products. So check them out. Scroll down right there in your podcast app or check out the show notes at thenuggetclimbing.com. And as always, I put tons of goodies in the show notes. So for this episode, you can find links to all the things, videos and books we talked about, related podcast episodes, my guests' links, etc. You can find all of that stuff conveniently linked for you at thenuggetclimbing.com. Just find this episode and all of the show notes will be there, including timestamps so you can scroll around and find some of the best nuggets from this interview if you want to listen to those sections again. And as always, thank you guys so much for listening. If you want even more great content, if you've been loving the show, I do have a Patreon. I have tons of bonus episodes over there, almost 50 bonus episodes. They're called follow-ups that I've published so far with past guests from the show. Those bonus episodes are some of my favorite interviews that I've done on the podcast. You can get access to all of those and ad-free episodes and more for $5 per month. Go to patreon.com slash thenuggetclimbing to learn more. There's a link for Patreon right there in your podcast app as well. Thank you guys for listening. I appreciate all of the support. Happy climbing. I hope you have an amazing week and we will see you next time.